0: This is Greg Schmidt. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast.
1: Hey folks, welcome to the podcast. You know, over the last uh, week, I, uh, the wife and I got to go to a movie. We don't go to too many movies anymore. Um, and I, you know, I w- looked at what was in the movie theater and we went, oh my God, there's not a whole lot. But, you know, we got a babysitter and we're like, well, let's go to a movie. And... We picked 1917 because, realistically, everything else looked like complete dog crap. And uh, 1917, this World War One film had gotten really good reviews. And I was like, well, it's got a good reviews. I'm not really in the mood for a war film. But hey, let's go check it out. And uh, it was the slowest, fastest moving movie I've ever, s- well, pretty much ever seen. And what I mean is slow, it wasn't, it wasn't your typical war film that is just like constant action, nonstop tanks blowing up and people being shot and whatever else, but it was constant action and the fact that they used, I, I, I don't know if it's called continuous filming, but it seemed like no scene ever ended, so the camera never stopped moving, and it just followed these two guys, and it was so well done, well here I am a week later still talking about it. And I'm, I just, I went, I got to tell somebody about this. And so if you're, you know, you're sitting there going, I'd like to go to a movie. Let me tell you, go to 1917. It was unreal. Unreal flick. The wife thought I was ridiculous after. Um, but I'm telling you, it was fantastic. The way they shot that film was unbelievable. And uh, the story was pretty cool too. And once again, that's that's what's happened here in the last week of my life. Anyways... This week, here's the Factory Sports Tale of the Tape. I got Greg Schmidt in. Uh, He played three years for the Red Deer Rebels. Uh, His best season was his 20-year-old year. year. He put up 98 points in 66 games. He then went on and played all over the place. Pensacola, Quebec, South Carolina, won a Kelly Cup, uh, Colorado, PD, and then was over in Europe for... about eight eight, eight years, roughly. And he came in, sat down with me. We had a blast. He's got some uh, great stories, as you can see by the, I think this is almost three hours today. And it, you know, it was a lot of fun. I sat there, sat here, and we bantered back and forth. And he's just got some some cool stories. And he's been places and uh, really enjoyed it. I think you guys are going to love this one. So without further ado. I am uh, joined by Greg Schmidt, and I was telling the wife goes, so so who is this anyways, and I was explaining who you are, and I said, uh, it's actually kind of funny, because it's almost like a year to the day on when I tried having you on last year, and the person who replaced you that night that you couldn't make it became my most successful episode of uh, 2019, that was Mr. Shep, so I
0: don't know if I dodged <laughs> a bullet or not, right, but we're going to find out, but I appreciate you coming on nonetheless. Yeah no definitely uh, happy happy to be here yeah and uh, yeah no I listened to a couple episodes and uh, to be to be honest I do <laughs> uh, might be dating myself but I wasn't really sure what a podcast even was <laughs> and uh, I think the first one I listened to was uh, Kyle Tap.
1: Mm. Yeah. That, that was a fun episode.
0: Yeah you know uh, I, I'm not best friends with Kyle but he's he's helped my son out uh, with his with his hockey programs and. I've gotten to know him, know him through the Ryder cup. Yeah. We, uh, the golfing, bat- <laughs> we battled against each other. Uh, and then got to, you know, gotten some conversations with them and you get to know him a bit. And so I think that helps when you listen to an episode and, uh, yeah, you, you learn things about somebody that, uh, you never knew. And it was very interesting and, um, gained a lot of respect for, for Kyle and, and what he's done. So it was, uh, uh, that was the first one. And of course the last one was, uh, Blair Atchenham.
1: Yeah. 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 And he was, he's in an, an interesting fellow himself.
0: Oh yeah. He, so I am from North Battleford, Right. So, uh, right. of course, you know, actually he's a few years older than me, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> so I grew up, uh, he definitely, uh, was somebody that I looked up to and, and thought, oh my, you know, was always nervous around him and, you know. Uh, when I was younger, he didn't really know who I was. But then, as I came up through the hockey ranks, and you you start skating with guys in the summertime, and and you get to know them personally, and you you start to follow them, and and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was he was unreal.
1: He was uh, super easy to talk to. Walked in and it was just I don't know. I don't know if it came off in the the podcast or not, but I didn't know Blatter. I'd only talked to him like on the phone maybe once or twice. When he walked in, you know, no different than us, I guess. You sit down, yeah. you shake a hand, and you start talking and see where it goes from there. But, man, he was easy to talk to. Yeah. Just a super uh, cool dude.
0: And, it, well, it's funny, too, because uh, we listened to Me and my wife were up on the way to Jasper for a couple nights. And uh, she's like, holy. She goes, I thought I knew, actually. And, uh, you know, of course, uh <sighs> We don't really talk a whole lot about our, our own stories. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you 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 find out more and more. And then the whole timeline of the whole story, very, very interesting. And you get more in-depth about uh, uh, what he actually went through. So, no, it was, it was good. I,
1: I find um, it doesn't matter the person coming on, and I'll give you a case in point. I had my dad on episode, like, I can't remember what it was, episode two, I think. I think it was episode two. I brought dad on. And uh, honestly, I think I should bring him on again a couple more times because he has different parts of his life that are just like, his stories are hilarious. He was a long haul trucker for like, I don't know, eight years of his life. And the stories from that are absolutely absurd, hilarious. You name it and you got it out there. But anyways, I brought him on Mm -hmm. and I went around to every symbol. I went around to all the siblings. So what questions do you want me to ask him about him playing? You know, he... He only played a little bit of hockey, but he played for Vermilion College back in the day when they had hockey and, you know, nothing too crazy. And what came out of that podcast was was stories that none of us kids had even heard, right? And so what I find is it doesn't matter who comes on. It can be a guy you sat beside in the dressing room for 10 years. It can be a guy you idolized all growing up. It can be one of your best friends. And they'll get talking and there'll be stuff come up that... Nobody's ever heard before, or you've never heard before, and that's when really, really cool about sitting across from guys and getting to hear their story and everybody else getting to hear their story.
0: Yeah, or or you just forgot. <laughs> that's true too. That is true too. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's a long haul trucker, uh, and we'll get into it. I think a little bit later, but uh, well, one of the most interesting people I had ever met in in the East Coast Hockey League uh, was our bus driver. <laughs> 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 He, uh, he, uh, in fact, well, th- we rode in, uh, what they call rockstar buses. You know, they had beds, they had, uh, a kitchenette, they had, uh, very, very nice buses. And, uh, actually he drove for Lenny Kravitz.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: And he was an old biker. He okay. Was an old biker. So, uh, tons of, tons of stories from, from being on the road. Very, very interesting man.
1: Yeah, you could probably sit down with him for a couple beers and be entertained.
0: Oh, it was, uh, you know the, you you hear some stories and you you wouldn't think they were true, um, but after a few years of getting to know him, you you knew that yeah they he he wasn't bullshitting about anything. So
1: well, you think a bus driver sees a lot of things. Now be a bus driver for a rock star. Yeah, that'd make you. You'd see some things every single night.
0: Well, and I guess I, and uh, and I hope I remember right because it was quite a while ago. But he said Lenny Lenny uh, was afraid to fly. Oh really? So he said he it was just nuts. You know, because you'd figure you would fly at a certain time, but he said no, he had to drive all the time and like from gigs from one side of the states to the other. And you know, he had to play the next. Did you race. ever ask him how much money he made doing that? No, I, you know, I, I, I probably wasn't that close to him. Um, but you know, I, I think he drove for us for what well, team What
1: team were you playing for when
0: uh, South Carolina?
1: When you guys were in the Kelly Cup and all that good stuff,
0: yeah, yeah. No, uh, well, funny, a little off track here, but whatever. Um, that's all right. My, my first year in South Carolina. Uh, our opening game is uh, uh, Saturday, Sunday in Miami. Miami just got a franchise. So it's Tuesday. We're, we're practicing. We're getting ready for the season opener. And the coach comes and says, Okay, boys, we're hitting the road Wednesday. And I'm thinking, we're hitting the road Wednesday because South Carolina to uh, Charleston, South Carolina to Miami is far. But I don't know if it's that far where you got to go a couple days, two or three days early. Right. So, up pulls this rock star bus on a Wednesday, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my god! Like I'm used to riding the, you know, the charters where you're sitting in your own seat and and you know you stare out the to the prairie for twelve hours and that's fun, right? Yeah. So anyway, this rock star bus pulls up, and I'm thinking it's Wednesday. What are we gonna do in Miami for you know a couple of days? Anyway, we get to Miami eventually. It takes a long, long time. First thing they do, we don't go to No Rank, No Nothing. We go to South Beach, with the with the bus, and it ends up by being two nights of going out, <laughs> which which uh, was lots of fun. And I don't know if you, do you know Jody Lehman by chance?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I saw that he played with you for three years.
0: So he was playing uh with me there and of course we're uh Saskatchewan boys you know we played he, I think he played Brandon and moose I played in red deer um we weren't world travelers by any means and we we get to the uh, eventually to this hotel in Miami and the scenery is just like it's we're not used to that right so we get down to the pool and it's just like we're in a different different universe we're thinking we, you know this is Unreal, or we're, we're in a different world. Uh, the funny thing is, though, you know, you eventually do have to play hockey. Uh, but it was uh, it was uh, eye opener, that's for sure.
1: How'd you guys doing your first game of the season after partying for
0: two nights in a row? <laughs> you know, well, it was kind of back then. That was kind of a normal thing for the East Coast League. Um, I believe we won the the first game. And then the second game, uh, we lost. But they were just uh, like a a new franchise, so they didn't really match up to us too well. Um, But, uh, yeah, anyway, the the big thing was, first of all, the the Rockstar bus pulling up, and I'm thinking, you know, I can handle this. And then, yeah, we go up to Miami Miami, like two or three days way too early (laughs) for no reason. I, I well, I think in a, in a different way uh, that the coaches just wanted, uh, you know, a team to get to know each other. I guess I don't Fair know. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So it was a it was, it was, we had a decent team that year. Nothing too special, but yeah. uh, a yeah.
1: different way to team bond. Yeah, us let the boys have a couple of free nights before the season yeah. opener.
0: And in fact, uh, one of the one of the veteran players I remember on the way because we all had our individual cots. And he was flipping out because they should have their own little curtain that you can shut up okay. and shut and sleep. And he flipped out so much on the way. I think we stopped in Jacksonville. And we got out of the bus and they had somebody come and put curtains on every guy's stall. Yeah, it was insane. Wow. <laughs> he must have had some pull. Yeah. Well, now he's the... I think... Well, now he's the... The manager of the operations, the business operations, Rob Kincannon.
1: Uh, uh, Where is he? Uh,
0: South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina. Charleston, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. No, it's it's such a good area there. Uh, Lots of guys that did play there either ended up by staying and living there. Uh, Lots of them got into coaching. Well, Jared Bednar is head coach now of uh, Colorado. Yeah. Um, Jason Fitzsimmons. Who, uh, you might not know, but I I'm sure he's the head pro scout for Washington Capitals now. Okay. And then Rob Kinkaiden, he's he stayed and now he's a he's the president of, of hockey operations there.
1: I I'm always curious. I actually inter- I did Tyler Bush, who's playing down ASU right Arizona yeah. State University, and I went down there and I'm like, yeah, hey, you're never leaving this. Like it's so nice down there. How did you ever come back from North Carolina? Well, I guess you, I mean, that was right in the middle of your career. You kind of bounced around from there. Yeah, I know. But-
0: and that was the the thing with the East Coast League back in those days. They always said the North Division was always the more, uh, I want to get, get out of here and move up. Where the South Division, where you had your South Carolinas, there was a few spots that they're like, geez, you go down there, you don't want to go up. And, and that was the truth for most of our, like, back then, I think we, it'd be unusual for one or two guys to go up during the year. Nowadays, it's, it's a real, like, develop- system. Yeah. It's a real developmental league. Yeah. Uh, the pay system there, uh, they had a salary cap, but there was a lot of ways around the salary cap. So they paid the guys, yeah. uh, decent enough to, to just stay and, and. You, did, you, did, you didn't really want to move move up because um, realistically at that time the the HL the IHL would be the next step. There was no NHL right So were you making good money down there? Uh, yeah, I think so. at that time, uh, we were making well the more top guys probably seven to a thousand bucks a week. So it was it was good.
1: Seven hundred to a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think yeah. like it's seven
0: thousand a week. Geez, that's <laughs> no, no, so bad. No, no. <laughs> no, I can take that. Yeah, they actually got caught. I think twice for uh, for breaking the uh, salary cap. <laughs> <laughs> they they've won the most cups. I think they've won three or four. Okay. In, in their history, um, just a, a great great franchise, uh, great fan support, and it's a great great city. Lots lots. Do you of ever franchise.
1: get back there? Do you go back? Do they have a, because I mean, you guys win a Kelly cup. Do you ever go back uh, for alumni events? Do they even do such things? Oh yeah. 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 They,
0: it's just, a, it's a tough, tough. it's a full day to get there with yeah. just with the flights. Uh, actually five of us, I think five or six years ago, went back uh, to the masters because it's only, it's about three and a half hours to Augusta. To Augusta. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the last time I've been down, um, but I think me and the wife are going to head down here shortly in the next couple of months um, just to go back and do some visiting.
1: Yeah, man, South Carolina.
0: man, yeah, that'd be all right. Yeah, golf. Like We used to golf. There used to be a few courses we'd play for free. Um, yeah, a really good setup. It's, it's, it's one of the things as a hockey player, yeah, playing in, in that, that type of league, that they had to do you know they had to make things lush for guys just to, to stick around yeah uh the the thing you always got to put in the back of your head is that uh you know this <laughs> this isn't real life and and things will change um the sooner you do that the better <laughs> type of thing
1: yeah so well speaking of places to live let's talk about growing up in north battleford what was uh Born and raised from North Battleford, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, spent, uh, I was there till I think, until 18, Till I went to Red Deer.
1: Until you went to Red Deer. Yeah. Now, I'm curious, we could talk about, how, how many kids you got, Greg? Two boys. Two boys. Yeah. One playing in Bonneville? Yeah. And
0: the second? Second one is living here in Lloyd, just trying to figure out life. And, okay. Yeah, going through some tough times and, you know, just 23-year-old 23, 23 male, not really sure what he's going to end up, so... He's trying to figure that I'm out. I'm a
1: 33-year-old male, and I'm not sure what I'm going to end up.
0: <laughs> Isn't that the truth?
1: <laughs> um, Well, how did you, uh, were you on skates right from a young age, or were you a late bloomer?
0: Uh, Well, I was uh, on skates right from a young age. Okay. Uh was always, I would say, yeah, I was good in the younger days, like, you know, the type of, uh, you know, take puck end to end type of thing. Um, when I got around Peewee Bantam, I, I think, you know, things started to level off. Um, I, was, I was above average, but definitely wasn't, you know, anything too special. Uh, and then it wasn't until my AAA midget, midget years uh, where, where things really turned around. Yeah. Uh, I had a coach, uh, Tim Nielsen, who I hated with a passion. He was too mean, <laughs> you know, too... What do you mean, too mean? Too mean, too strict, too... Because in those days, you know, we, we just wanted to play. uh wanted to go out and have beers, but yeah. curfew, and that was yeah. kind of the only thing. Uh, that was fun, right? That's, you know, that's how things were supposed to go. And... I wanted to play hockey, but I didn't want it to be so hard, you know. <laughs> like, and uh, he was—he demanded a lot. Um, and what ended by happening though was my hockey really started to take off. Like it was—it was. It was uh, it
1: so, was, was there a point then where you went, okay, he's being hard, but I'm playing good?
0: No, no, no. hated him. He was mean. He was—he was this. He was that. Uh, uh, no one can talk to me, like you know, or talk to treat us that way, and and so he coached me two years, because back then there was only two years of midget. It's right. not three year. Uh, I had a really good year in my first year, went to the MAX tournament, uh, and for me, that was like, yeah, it was unreal. Uh, second year, things went well again, uh, and then we went to the MAX again, and then it, like, it really had a, a really good tournament, and that's when, you know, scouts started talking to me. And I'm like, what, what do you got, you know.
1: You had no clue up until
0: that point? No clue. It's you weren't
1: taken in the Bantam draft? Because the Bantam uh, draft had started in 1990. So it would have been right around yeah, your time, right?
0: Yeah. No, no. I wasn't even in the conversation. No, no kidding. Okay. No, not not even probably anywhere on the map, I wouldn't think. Um, had a great, I, in fact, I made the all-star team. At the max? At the max. Uh then they had that they had like an all star game. They had uh they had a skills competition. Uh so where was the
1: max, at? What's that? Where was the max? Calgary. Yeah. It's yeah. always been there, right? Yeah. Since so that would have been the first couple of years in the
0: max. Oh, no, no, no. That was in ninety
1: what is it what is the max? That would
0: have been ninety two to ninety four. Like I played two years in a row. Um I remember we made well, this is kind of unclassy, but Kazakhstan showed up with a national team. Uh, in fact, they had to get equipment bought for them to even be able to play. Like, and they were at the Max tournament. Yeah, they were really good. They're like, don't get me wrong.
1: I'll be danged. I'll, i uh, The Max tournament. I don't know First held in nineteen seventy-eight.
0: Yeah, you're way off, man. I was way off. <laughs> yeah.
1: Thanks, Greg. Hey, already making fun of me here.
0: So, yeah. We end up in the semifinals against this Kazakhstan, uh, na- and their national team, like we're North Balfour. Like so, when you really think of it, at the time we think, well, we're going to beat them, right? Um, they ended up by, I think it was five three with a couple minutes to go. So sure, sure. they
1: actually were a decent team. Oh yeah,
0: well the national team though. It's yeah, they're they're good. Yeah, and uh, we ended up by running their goalie. <laughs> like, like a, <laughs> an old school run where you just drill right, the goalie right from the red. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was a buddy of mine, Derek Reynolds. He, uh, he ended up by running them like an old school running. Like like he went flying about five, five feet right into the boards. Um, but anyway, to, to
1: get invited back to that tournament two years in a row, you guys must have been doing something right though.
0: Yeah. We were, we were in the top couple teams in uh, the, uh, Saskatchewan league, Uh, we never really did so well in playoffs, uh, and you know, in fact, what ended up by happening with me is, is Tim Nielsen was a scout for Red Deer as well, my coach that I despised, and so at, I'm 17, the year's over, we had just lost out of playoffs, and it's so funny, at 17, I, I really, no good at school, uh. You know, I don't really know even what I'm going to do, but I never really even thought of it, you know, for for after. And I think it would might have been the next day or, or two days after the season, I'm at a North Star SJHL game, which all the young guys right. were, were hanging out. We're probably getting in trouble, right? And the coach comes up, Tim, and he says, Hey, I want to talk to you. And I'm thinking what's what did i do yeah what did i do i well, i'm thinking this, the year's over you don't own me anymore and he says to me goes do you want to go to red deer and i'm like where and and he's like the whl and i'm like okay and so yeah the next year i went to red deer
1: so the guy you hated the most got you your go in red deer
0: yeah and he, you know and you when you look back at when you get older and you look back at, at life, he he was just a, a huge part. He, he was the, the, you know, the, you know, the foundation of what started me and got me motivated and, and to really believe that, that I had a chance to, to do more things. So
1: when you go on to play, like, it's not like you just go in the dub and play a couple of years, your final year and you're in the top 10 in scoring. Like, you went there and weren't just a, a body. You were a player. You were a driver for that team.
0: Yeah, you know it was. Uh, well, the first year was a nightmare. Uh, what would
1: what year would that have been for Red Deer? Because they started in '92.
0: Yeah, uh, it was '94. So I think it was their third year. Yeah,
1: they were franchise in '92, I think. So you're yeah. you're a pretty young franchise then.
0: Yeah, and they'd had a decent year, I believe. They had beat or they had made playoffs uh, prior, year prior, prior to, to me coming. I don't know if it was their first year or second year. Um, but they had, had a, a decent start. Um, uh, the year I went though, um, we were awful. Um, I was awful. Uh, you know, it was a huge learning lesson for me. I, I realized that North Balfour wasn't the world. <laughs> and when I showed up there, no, nobody, nobody knew, <laughs> nobody knew me. You're in a room full of strangers. Nobody cared about you. No one uh, were, were worried if you were having a good time, bad time. Because I, I was a prospect, but I wasn't a uh, highly sought-after yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that's humbling, right? And so we, we go through the year. I did fairly well in preseason. Uh, but as the year drags on, you're you're not winning. I think we won 16, 17 games. Uh you, you you don't really believe in in what you're you, you're doing or 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 why you're there losing
1: is a disease man yeah like when you get in that that culture where you just you know and you have a year like that where yeah. you just show up to the rink you go through the motions you get your butt spanked You even go into ranks where you lose four three and you're like uh, all right and then the next day comes and you lose again and I mean, for a guy like you, who'd probably put up quite decent points, obviously, to be, yeah. and to go there and put up 4, 12, 16,
0: and I can see how that can... I think that it was 68 penalty minutes, which back then wasn't... 89 was penalty it 80, minutes. I, yeah. Which wasn't bad because they never counted 10s. Really? Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if they do now, but yeah, for some I'm sure reason, they do. the dub never counted 10s. St- Stanny would, Stanny would, Stanny would, he would know <laughs> that fairly well. Um, yeah, uh, we had a goalie coach, Andy Nowicki, and I think he went on to be a goalie coach or something for, for, uh, LA Kings, but he loved fights. He loved, he loved, uh, the, um, uh, what are they? The Hanson brothers. He loved slap shot. He okay. Can, he's one of those guys that I know we all can, but he repeat every line on the every moon, Every single line. And <laughs> I think we're about. I don't know, twenty games left in the regular season. We're going nowhere, and and he he says Schmitty, he says, because I got to know him, and and he's a funny guy, and you, there's no way you could not like him. And he pulls out the stat sheet and he says to me, and this was actually in his funny way of, you know, a lesson, a nice lesson. He's looking at my stats and he goes, well, you're not really scoring goals. You don't very, you don't have very many points. Your penalty minutes, huh? And he says, Like, why are you here? <laughs> and he he basically said, you know, you can't just be here. You gotta do something for the team. Like you gotta you gotta give you like find a, a
1: way to contribute.
0: You're like a sales guy. You you're selling you're selling the coach what you can do. And with these numbers, what are you doing? And of course, I'm just at that point I'm just like get me out of here you know <laughs> I just want to finish the season and then regroup which we which we did and we came back and, and we, we came back and we were we were pissed off uh, that year we were a toughest team but we we got I would say we got beat up on the score sheet and we got beat up in the rink too and we did have a good group of of young guys Aaron Asham Uh, there there is quite a few well Lance Ward uh, yeah BJ Young BJ Young well he came late okay he came late in my last year he got traded from Tri-Cities and I think we were pretty embarrassed and we came back pretty motivated with a chip on our shoulder and uh, yeah it just it just took off the next year uh we, we started to be, be, become to know the, uh, what did they, uh, geez, what a, uh, they had a nickname for the Rebels, uh, was that the Bad Boys, or we, we got known as kind of the the bullies, and and, and which back then kind of was, well I'm going to way- be honest,
1: I was really surprised, I, I YouTube every hockey guy that comes on, because I'm always yeah. curious, maybe it was a nice goal, maybe it was this, and when I read your stats, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll flick on. Maybe there's a goal. And what came up was about four or five different fights. And I'm like, is this, is this right? <laughs> is this right? The guy who's almost leading scorer, Red Deer Rebels, like second in scoring, top yeah. ten score in the league, dropping the mitts, and there's like four or five of you going at him.
0: Yeah, no, we uh, – it was a strange part. You know, I, I was later fairly good offensively. But when the offense started to go – the frustration would, would boil boil, and I always felt I, I always had a kind of a rule I wanted to at least get a goal every four games or you know have a couple points every four games a goal every two games and if that didn't happen you know if I went on a stretch longer than that then then you start it, for me it was always to get back on track was to to do something physical whether it was hitting hitting back then uh you could kind of pick your spots i didn't have the size to to be a to be a big hitter but i could i could scrap really well and so it was a really good way for for how many
1: guys did you catch unaware because you threw lefty
0: lots lots but you know the the flip side of that is your left's free but his his right's free true so I, I was on a couple ends of some knockouts where, <laughs> you know, you're free, but the other hand's free, uh, more when I was younger. And then as you, you get older, you, 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 you learn a little bit more and then you start switching it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, it's, if you can catch them quick, uh, it's, it startles them. <laughs> but if you're, if, if you start fighting guys that have been around they're
1: they're a little more attuned to it that's not such a big deal yeah no and they can they can adjust the worst beating i ever took in a fight was the southpaw and he came in as a righty and so i started swinging and we started going he wasn't much bigger than me probably about the same size i thought i had him and he switched and my brain couldn't switch and he probably labeled my nose about three times and that was it
0: yeah no it uh definitely can happen. Um, yeah it is, a, it is a funny thing one of my very first fights ever in 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 uh, and, and this I'm gonna kind of jump to kind of talks about taking chances in life. Uh, we it was in Bantam and some of the guys were already like we in Balfour and in Lloyd guys were fighting in wee, like yeah. dropping, uh, you know dropping the helmets <laughs> and, yeah. and everything. And I had been in Bantam, and I still hadn't had a scrap. Uh, didn't didn't know I was a lefty, righty. Didn't you know? Didn't know anything. And there was a guy in Mormon, and we were all afraid of him. And for who who knows for whatever reason, maybe he looked scary in his mask. And 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 I was just at some point, I was just like, geez, you know, okay, I'll, let's just do it and so of course everyone's like what you know what is going on and and yeah so i tagged him with the left and he went right down and i'm like oh he's down (laughs) and and, uh yeah and so all the guys are like oh my god and and this and that and it was kind of the first time that you you, yeah you you get the blood, it's just such a rush, you know. Uh, and then it's like, oh my God, that was awesome. And I'm still here. And so, <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> so it kind of uh, throughout my, my hockey career, and it's probably the, the rush I miss the most out of, uh, you know, the, the goal scoring, uh, the winning win a few championships. But that rush, the physical, the physical altercation, and when you go in, you know, with with the absolute fear, and then you know when it's over with, you're you're usually on a pretty good. As long as you, you did well, especially for a smaller guy like me, you know, the bars. If if I hang in there, that's a win. That's right. because right? usually I usually I would I wouldn't just fight a guy to fight a guy I would usually pick one of their bigger guys or one of their most intimidating guys because I would think that that gives you way more room as if you go up against one of their one of their one of
1: their guys yeah and we used to have a guy in Dryden like that Dale Logal, if he's listening old Wayburn himself (laughs) he uh his last year or the only year I played with him he fought this big giant off scriber he was like I don't know six foot four dales like my size so i don't know five seven five eight maybe yeah. and he just tucked just pulled in so tight to him the guy couldn't hit him and just sat there and ate him like for I was sitting in the stands that game. i was separated shoulder we line brawled first shift with larry wintoniak who was <laughs> in Kindersley coaching there yeah. uh, now oh, he yeah, runs yeah. a gym there yeah. gym there we were playing them right before playoffs and we knew we were getting them first round so opening puck drop you could see the puck drop and it never moved all five guys fucked and then go on, and a couple more fights happen, and then Dale Logal fights this big giant they had. And he was a small guy like me. Like yeah, I said, yeah. pulls in tight, and for 45 seconds, he just sat there and ate these little rabbit punches. And when the guy got tired, he just pulled him down, boom, like almost one punch that's giant. And that just sealed it for him. Like he was, in my mind, tough as nails after that because, like, not too many little guys have the, the nuts to go up against, yeah. like you say, one of their guys that is known for it. And yeah. then, if he loses, he going wall. It was a giant. But when he wins, you're like he just knocked out a giant,
0: right? Like yeah. that's yeah. And and like so, I went to Moose Jaw Warriors camp as a 15 year old, and well, I went to rookie camp. Sorry, and I got I did well. Got held over for main camp. Okay. And who's there? Ken Stanford. Ken Stanford. <laughs> you know, I know him from the North Balfour days. He's uh he's a giant you know like he's he's just a a, a killer and we end up on the same team in, for me for main camp and ken probably wouldn't even remember this i don't know if i've told him i've seen him around the past few years and he says we're sitting in the dressing room and he says like i'm, I'm not really that tough he just i just play this role you know what's part of you, in order to be it you have to act it and you got to play this role and I'm thinking well I, I don't know if I believe him he's pretty tough I'm just happy he's on my team <laughs> So I, I really you know as I got older I was like yeah that's that's a hundred percent I mean at a certain point you do have to to, sh- to show up and, and if you're going to play it and act way you got to back it up. But ninety percent of it is 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 playing the role, and, and you know, again, you do have to to back it up. But that was another thing that I I listened to, and, and uh, yeah, it I kept it all the way. And in the second, if there was somebody that intimidated me, I would usually just say to hell with it. Well, right after. Let's them. just let's just get it over with, uh, especially in playoffs. If we're if we're playing a team that had a tough not, and it wasn't a tough guy it was an intimidating guy because some of the toughest guys if all they did was fight I, would, I mean that doesn't bother me but if they were especially D-men cross check and stick and, uh, and played really tough I thought to hell with it let's, we're going to play each other probably 6-7 times in the next 2 weeks let's just do this right away get it over with if I win awesome if I don't doesn't really matter at least i'm going to get respect from the your team and get some more room and then i can just play and then you can just play yeah that was always my and it worked well
1: what do you think of the new nhl then well actually hockey in general i shouldn't say the new nhl because i was talking to daryl plandowski last week and he was talking about how even in the whl there's no fighting anymore you were just at a – your son's playing for the Bonneville Pontiacs. Is there much fighting in the, in
0: the junior A world? No. No, there isn't. And, uh, yeah, I, I find uh, more of the NHL is, is, is tough to understand. Um, you know, with the, anybody – I mean, you can run around. You can kind of do what you want. Uh, yeah, there's there's no real uh, policing. Well, there is no policing. Like I I just don't uh, to be out of the game is is really hard and to have too much of a an opinion on it. It just feels as though it just everything's wide open. Uh, I like to think, geez, if I was out there, it'd be I I I could do whatever I want. You could say whatever you want. You could go after whoever you wanted, and you wouldn't really. Have to worry. Have to worry. Uh, one of the biggest things, and, and I, I was talking to a dad in Bonneville, and one of the things I always feared as an offensive guy was coming around the net. You know, uh, whether it was either to tuck, yeah. to, to tuck it around the net or to bring it out into the slot, because back then you had to be really hungry to score because you knew. A, I'm probably going to get a chance, or B, I'll wake up in the dressing room because there was somebody coming behind you, yep. but then there was somebody coming right down, and there was no such thing as head first. Like they usually aimed head first. Uh, the other thing was the D man coming around the net, like that used to be one of the greatest hits, hits where, in the world. The guy Wendell would, Clark, yeah, it would come from the other corner, and it would be uh, so. Uh, you know, I, 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 never had an issue like with with all the fights, and I, you know, I really only had seven or eight a year, and that was with preseason. That was kind of my, uh, so I wasn't really. Uh, um, but I, I had two bad experiences where I was, I was out cold, but I never had a con. Well, I don't think I had a concussion anyway. So well, if you were out cold, you had a concussion. Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah
1: that isn't that the definition <laughs> well, of a concussion well loss of consciousness
0: yeah it, it could be I, I like i thought your brain has to because there would be lots of times i would towards the end when i would get hit during a fight i would go black for one probably a second i'd still be standing and you just kind of re reconfigure and keep going <laughs> i guarantee you lots of guys it would oh, be the what? Same. Yeah. But we know
1: that. Yeah. Back in the day there's tons of guys yeah. who got concussions yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. But it was never talked about it the same. I, uh, I'm what? 50? no. How old are you now? Forty three. Forty three. So I'm ten yeah. years younger than you. You're yeah. the exact same age as my yeah. oldest brother. Yeah. We're ten years apart and I played with tons of guys who have the same exact yeah. what you're saying, right? Yeah. But back then. Well, it's pretty simple, right? Like I still find my brain doing it today playing yeah. senior hockey. Somebody gets a concussion, I'm like, man, just suck it up, <laughs> right? But that's old school thinking, yeah. and I know it is. And then yeah. you got to kind of be like, ah, no, it's a concussion, right? We got to worry about the brain. Yeah. You got to worry yeah. about the brain. Like yeah. I think it's been pretty much proven by now that you know that's dangerous stuff to play with. Yeah. But we grew up in a time, and I was ten years after you, and it was still like that. Yeah. Still like, you get a concussion, you don't leave, you you play through it, and then. You carry on, right? But yeah, you know the crazy thing is, I'm uh, still in playoffs. We're tied two two right now with the metal. <laughs> we got oh, game metal, game I... yeah. We got game five coming up on uh, Friday. Wow. And we've lost in the series now. One, two, three, three for sure. Guys with concussions, where they're like they're just they're just not right. And I now yeah. I see it on the bench. I'm like that ain't right. We should probably get them off. Where I know back in like yeah, junior days, that didn't happen. You'd, yeah, you'd take a shift or two off and then away they went again.
0: Yeah. Like I remember the, it would be the finger, the finger test. Uh, how many fingers? Mm-hmm. Uh, or uh, what day is it? Or what rink are we in? What rink were we in? Absolutely. You remember what rink we're in? I think, uh, uh, well, when I got one, one time in Charlotte, we're playing Charlotte Checkers, and now it's one where, uh, you know, yeah, I got lefty and righty going and it always works so good. And then the next thing I know, I'm, I'm feeling not so, uh, I'm almost feeling sick to my stomach and I'm getting carted off yeah. with, with, uh, with a player, a teammate and then the, uh, the trainer. And so we get back on the bus and, and I actually have a, like a cut. He, he must've hit me right in the temple cause I got stitches in my ear. In and, your ear. Yeah. I, I I don't really remember getting them and my buddy who's my roommate Chris Wheaton he says they, they called me and that's a different whole different story but he says Schultzy he goes I gotta tell you something he goes he goes they asked you uh, you know what rank, what rank we're in and you looked at the trainer and you were pissed off and you said Tuesday <laughs> But I, I was out, I remember that, I was out two weeks, two weeks. I think they said it was mandatory because I was knocked out. I had to be a, a maximum of two weeks out. Like, that was the standard. That would have been in, that would have been in 99. That was my first year in uh, in the East Coast League. Yeah, that was, the, that was the standard. Like, you get knocked out that bad, you're two weeks. So why the nickname Schultz? Uh, we're, we're playing in a golf tournament in North Battleford and it it was called the Labatt's open. Now it's called the Molson open and you get put with, put with four random guys that are your same handicap. Okay. And they had a a French guy that would call out, I think he was the assistant pro at that time and he would call out the starters and he calls out my name, Greg Schmidt. He must have said it in some funny accent. Anyway, we're playing with a guy from PA. I think his name's Tom Brown. I could could be wrong. Tom Brown, some other guy, and one of my best friends, Aaron Friedman from North Balford. And he's the type of guy that any type of thing goes wrong with you, he'll he's right on top of you and he just will keep it for the rest of your life. <laughs> like one of those one of those guys. One of those guys, yeah. So we get walking, uh and this Tom Brown guy, he's what kind of one of those guys that starts talking to you like you you, you, you grew up together your best friends like he and he goes hey he's calling me Schultze and for the the first three rounds and my buddy uh Freddie we call him he starts hey Schulze like hey <laughs> like he starts <laughs> and laughing laughing in the background and he's like it he just thinks, stuck he thinks your name's Schultze he's <laughs> So, so anyway, they started calling me Schultzy Schultzy and it made its way all the way down to South Carolina. So there's still a, a, quite a few of my buddies that will call me Schultzy. Schultzy yeah. <laughs> so that's how it came. But this guy, he was like, Hey Schultzy, like, and he, he was talking like, and I'm looking at him like, who are you talking to? So that's how it, it was, it was a sticker.
1: From a golf tournament
0: in North battlefield Yeah, yeah, the labats Open. It used to be called. We used to play in it every year. It, it's it's still going. I think it's called Molson now. But it's uh it was uh, i think uh born from, Jim Born. Yeah, he's won it quite a few times. Of course, Jim Born has. Jim yeah. Born
1: has got to be yeah. one of the guys that I just need to have come on here because he comes up every like fifth episode. Yeah, sounds like he was quite the athlete. Yeah, still is quite the athlete. Yeah, quite the golfer.
0: Yeah, very very good. I was always kind of a average, average golfer. I I, I liked it because it was competitive, yet it wasn't w- what I did. So there was really no yeah. no pressure, and there still is. I mean, now I'm older. I really the only competitive golf I really play is uh, the Ryder Cup tournament with the boys, and it it's it's competitive, but, but it's fun. There's there's lots of laughs. Yeah. And it, the groups I'm in, uh, it's usually like that. It's not not. Uh, to to die hard i've had a, i've had a couple rounds i've kind of forgot to score and because uh, uh, we're having too many laughs too many beers types of thing
1: going back to your red deer days uh i was looking so you were talking about the guys you played with your first year and bj young and lance ward and aaron asham and a young jason clegg would have been on the team yeah. at that time uh the leading scorer of that league you remember who the leading scorer was that year uh, what
0: that was nine was ninety four ninety five. Uh, it would have been somebody from Kamloops, uh, Aginla. It was a leading scorer from Tri City, Damon Lankow. Oh yeah. yeah, but
1: that year was the the Kamloops were the WHL champs. Darcy Tucker, Shane yeah. Doan, Jerome Aginla. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I hate the Flames, but if there's one Flame I really enjoyed and would gladly have. I was sad to see him retire because I felt like it was kind of the end of an era, the end of that type of player. But what was Jerome McGinley like at a young age?
0: Dirty you remember? So, so, no, I remember 100%. uh, We only played him twice a year. So you never really got – and they were quite a bit better. Like when Jerome was there, uh, like I remember we went in there one time they beat us 8-1. Yeah. And actually there's a video. um, I'm lined up against him, and it's – probably six or seven one and I, I'm like let's go like like <laughs> guess you, you just that, that I mean it used to be a two goal two goal cushion where the unwritten rule was like something's got to happen you just don't get beat yeah and of course he's like no he goes but that d-man will fight you yeah <laughs> so of course it ended up by being Jason Holland and uh yeah uh, I, I'm pretty sure I did pretty well in that one um but yeah, that that's kind of we only played him twice a year. They, they were way they were so so much better than us that he probably didn't even really break a sweat against us. Um, so I, I really don't have a uh, a real good understanding of how good he was, uh, you know, watching him in the NHL like he he was exactly what I, what I think my game kind of was, you know, uh not a fighter but he he could throw down and he did it uh, smart on on his own terms yeah, when he, he wanted yep. to and it was usually for a reason. Yeah. Uh I think towards the end he started doing it more than than he needed to, but hey, I mean tough to tough to argue and I mean the way he was off the ice from what from what we see uh, tough tough not to respect with well i just think is. the
1: way he played the game it'd be hard to walk in that that room and not fall in line yeah. behind that guy
0: yeah and it well, they had tucker doan yeah. like uh they, they were loaded yeah we yeah they, they should have been in a different league than, than what, what we were
1: what was your favorite rink to play in the uh, back in the day was it red deer or did you have a rink where you just seemed to go and
0: i love moose jaw i got my first goal ever in moose jaw uh, it was a type of rank that you were scared to play in, so you you had to be you had to be good. PA was tough. Uh, like uh, for example, the blades to play the blades. Then there was it was it was like a ghost town. I felt that was hard to get up for. Well, yeah, it was just you know they had this huge arena yeah, and, and nobody then, in it. Well, maybe twenty five hundred people. Yeah, um, Seattle. Like, I'll tell you, my first year in Seattle, uh, we went in there and they were, they had a good team. And not only did they beat us, like, they, they beat the shit out of us as well. They got up on us right away, I think five or six one. And not only did they, they said, well, that's enough, but then they continued on the line brawl after line brawl just to, just to sink it in, rub it in. And, American fans, right? They're a little different. They love that stuff, the small glass. So we'd have line brawls, and they're hanging over, hanging over, and they're well, they want to get at you too. (laughs) They want a piece. Um, That was that was a tough rink, the old Seattle rink. Uh, They, I think it was my second or last year, they got a newer, bigger rink, and it wasn't the same.
1: I always hear about the American american teams and their fans and how awesome they are or how awfully awesome they are whatever you want to yeah just how involved in the game it is it really really makes me want to go to a seattle game or tri-city or where yeah. where have you right and go down and check it out because i hear it's well even from the young guys now today right they just have different style of fans than what can what can yeah. has and
0: uh, so when they go to a game it's like it's a night out uh, they're not going there as, as uh, hockey experts. Yeah, I, I think they're going there. They, they want to have a couple drinks and they want to have a good time and you know they don't they're not there judging uh, the coach or judging this or that. Uh, it's just a total different mentality. Uh, it, the States is one thing. You go over to Europe yeah. and play over there. I tell you it's a, it's another level up from from the states because they typically only have one home game a week and again uh the beers flowing they're singing they're they they never dancing. stop singing no no and and a lot I mean the rinks are getting newer but, which is kind of a shame but those older rinks most of them were made to stand and they have a rail so you don't fall forward uh, but they're right on top of you and when they get rocking and they're usually if the team's doing well they'll start right away the beginning of the first period of warm-ups and they'll keep rocking and rocking and rocking
1: i played over in finland for a little bit and i got to go to a division one Finnish pro league elite elite league and the crowd there was like nuts it was awesome i mean i played division three it was nuts there but it was like on steroids yeah and i loved they had the golden helmets. I,
0: I don't. Did you get to play with the golden helmets? Uh, I think they talked about it at one time in Germany, but they never. I don't think. Well, not in my time, they ever had the golden helmets. Craziest damn thing yeah. you ever did see, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, put a target on you.
1: Oh, absolutely, right? Like, oh, there's the leading score. <laughs> like, just stick out. But it was awesome as fans, right? Like, yeah. oh, there he is, right? Like, you can't lose him. He's just sitting right there. Can't disappear with that helmet on. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, my first, my first league game in Germany. Um, I I played quite a few exhibition games, but it was the first time my wife come over, uh, and my mom and dad came over for the game, and I'm playing in the most east part of Germany. You can small town, probably out of the whole town, maybe ten people can speak English. Okay and the crowd just uh going crazy my parents my wife and kids just get in for game time and they are just totally amazed at, at what's, what's going on what's going on my mom said you know there's 100 guys just urinating right outside the doors and and the beers and they're saying and this and that and right after the game uh hungarian they they ran the restaurant and bar a hungarian family and they take the kids and they're oh, we'll babysit. And they bring me, my mom, my wife in the back. And we're just doing shots. We're just doing shots. And they don't speak a lick of English. We don't speak a lick of what they're... And for whatever reason, you just you just kind of get the essence of a, a, a person. And you, you just feel comfortable with them. And you just feel like, oh, these are good people. And it was so funny and... And my, my, I think it was my mom woke up the next morning and with the travel, the jet lag, and all the shots, she's like, I don't know if I can go back to another game. <laughs> but no, there are they're, they're lots of fun there. And it it's a religion for them. It's once a week. Uh, they care so much about their, their team. Uh, they're, they're very serious about it. What was the strangest thing you drank over in Europe? Oh strange uh,
1: I'll give you my example. My example is moose piss is what the fin- Finlands called. it was a type of homemade whatever it looked brown and it was Oh, uh, well, I think it was a vodka when I want to think about it now but they called it moose piss yeah it was awful but it put hair on your chest <laughs> and then on your head and then on your back it uh, it was strange tough stuff
0: yeah the all the liqueurs and stuff. I I had a tough time getting used to. You'd go to someone's place for dinner or for drinks. They'd have all the drinks set up on the table, like where we have them in the fridge. Yeah, that's right. They'd yeah. have the. They'd have thirty different kinds of beers, thirty different kinds yeah. of shots, a and, buffet of alcohol. Yeah, and they would, you know, for for me, it's like, hey, I'm drinking pilsner. I'm sticking with pilsner. For them, no, no, you know, try this. This is interesting. This oh, have a this little career after you have this piece of meat. You gotta uh, take a shot of this. Uh, you gotta do this, and it's like, holy man, I I need to go to school to hang out with you guys to <laughs> to figure out what's uh, well one in Dresden. So I played more at the beginning of my career. I played more on the east side of Germany. Okay. So the, the trend for them was to have their their imports weren't Canadian, they weren't U.S., they were Czechoslovakian or Russian. Okay. Because that's just for, that's what they'd always had. So the, the my first two or three years, it was usually me, maybe one other Canadian, and then all Russians for import players. And... You know, your imports, you kind of get along. And the Russians, for whatever reason, I got along better with with them than than the other guys. And the Russian guys finally said, okay, you know, you're in the group. We're going to invite you to a Russian-style dinner. Uh, Bring the wife, bring the kids. We're all coming. Uh, So I think there were seven of us and all the wives and all the kids. And we go to this Russian restaurant. Basically, the restaurant we have a whole section to ourselves and the oldest guy at the table is kind of dictating the vodka uh dictating the food dictating everything so we get there and i'm thinking this is like i'm gonna get out of control here because we're gonna just be doing shots of vodka like crazy It's about an hour in, and I think we've had two shots of vodka, and I'm thinking, this is lame. Like, this is nothing like I thought it was going to be. And then as we get going in the night, it starts picking up. Starts picking up. Starts, and then it pretty much becomes we're we're just sitting there doing shots of vodka. vodka. Yeah, I think we went through... And really, none of the wives were drinking because they were taking care. Of, like this is old school. Yeah. So the wives are taking care of the kids, and and we're sitting there drinking. And I think we we might have had twenty bottles of vodka over with seven <laughs> guys. And that doesn't count all the liqueurs and all the. And then the oldest guy says, "Okay, the women and the kids are going home. And we're going out." <laughs> <laughs> My wife says, "Yeah." They, and i i think well i was pretty much done by then i think they had she had to give me a special ride home <laughs> where uh where did you meet your wife uh well we knew each other in north Balfour. okay yeah. so you married in north Balfour. yeah girl. yeah yeah we we she ended up by going to school in Red Deer. that's kind of when we we got together so she came with you all through this journey yeah yeah everywhere everywhere we went yeah she uh did you have both your kids on the road then? Too? No, no. We had them both in Battleford. We planned it so they'd both be born. Uh, well, Chase, my youngest, she was. we were originally, like, I was playing in Colorado then, and she was having some trouble with her pregnancy, so she came home early. Uh, she came home before the end of the year to have Chase.
1: But you would have been, because you retired, your last year playing pro was 0910, right? Mm-hmm. So in that facet then he was seven years old your
0: youngest yep. and you guys were taking him over everywhere. to journey everywhere you went yeah they went to my my oldest well my youngest guy when we left germany he'd been in germany chase who plays in Bonneville now he had uh we had grew up in germany he went to german schools he'd they went to international schools when it when they were available what was that like um, i mean as
1: a parent like i mean you know, I might have to have Chase on to talk about it. But as a parent, taking your kid over there,
0: what was it like sending them to school over there? Uh, well, we, they first went, they were going to international school. So it was all English, you know, it was all kids from from different countries. So, yep. and, and really, that's kind of all we knew. That's, that's all we had ever done. Um, so it was n- nothing any different. Towards in my end of my stay in Germany, there was no international school, but by then they could both speak German.
1: So they can. Oh yeah, the kids were, can
0: play uh, speak German fluently. Well, my older one can. Um, the young Chase, he fought it the whole. He wouldn't believe the trouble we went through to try to get him to like. <laughs> we had a tutor hired, and and uh, the tutor, we had a two two level two level apartment and the second level their bedroom went out onto a ground level and we would get this tutor and, I, and we didn't know this for the first week or so i guess he would just open up his window and jump out and run and go play with the kids and finally after a week of this the tutor comes down and she says i've never had a kid this bad before she said like i can't i can't continue this she said he's been in germany at that point 5 years and he's still not speaking German. They, she said, we have Chinese kids that come here. And in three weeks, they're speaking they're speaking German. But what happened for him is he got involved in hockey. When he started playing hockey there, then he was around all German kids. And, of course, y- y- you have to speak. you, p- you got to pick <laughs> up the lingo. Yeah. So I think it was one day they were out playing street hockey. And all of a sudden, I can hear him. And he's yelling at some other kid he's playing and he's yelling at him in German. And we're thinking, oh, my What God. a surreal moment as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're like, finally, finally, he picked it up. Dad,
1: do you notice anything, uh like, him being over, both your kids being over in Germany for that long, you notice any style differences in their game when they come back? When you finally got back to Canada, was or was it
0: just not that big a deal?
1: Uh, because German coaches,
0: German well, they usually hockey. had Russian coaches. Really? Yeah. So, and all their coaches are paid. Okay. Like, so they would have a coach that coached, uh, let's call it Pee Wee. Well, he would be the Pee Wee coach for 15, 20 years in a row. Uh, the Bantam coach would be the Bantam coach for. Usually two or three different teams. They'd have assistant coaches that would help them. I shouldn't say two or three. they never had enough players. in maybe two teams would be okay. the maximum, just because it's not the the well, it's not the sport there, right? Hockey. Um, lot, the big emphasis is on skating. Like that was a big big thing. Like they would skate, 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 and you know Chase today is he's a phenomenal skater. Yeah, but he's very physical too. I mean, he played. When he played, it was just body contact allowed, which is funny. Like, right from the beginning, they allow hitting. Like, hit, you know. To this day still? I don't know. I I don't know. But I was just floored because when he was over there, he was hitting. And then when we moved back home, he wasn't allowed to hit for a couple years. So that was a little different. So what do you think of that? I liked it. I liked it. You know, I I, I hate to see, especially nowadays, when you, you get to bantam. Uh, and I think that's when they're allowed to hit yeah. so you could and, and there you know some kids don't hit puberty some kids are shaving and already in bantam so you have some huge body size difference so you take someone who's a skilled or good with their their body and their skating and you get them out against uh, uh, someone who hasn't hit puberty that can't skate very well and those two lining up that, to me is a disaster.
1: It is a disaster.
0: Whereas if you if you've grown up with it and and I agree, take out the, the you know, the which they are anyway, taking out the, the heavy center ice collisions and, and the, but are rubbing out along the boards and then that I, I I don't know. Uh, I would love to see it right from Adam, you know, or, or whenever whenever you start I was just
1: gonna say pee- peewees when I started yeah, hitting. Yeah. And at that time I was like four foot whatever and there was guys that were already almost six foot right and peewee yeah. there's already that size yeah. difference adam was maybe the one year i i remember thinking and i'll wait and see when my kids get there i guess but um i remember thinking in adam because we i used to get called up in the peewee house league yeah. randomly enough and then you go hit right you'd be a adam kid yeah. and i remember getting absolutely pretzelled in my first game and being like oh my god i don't want to do that again right yeah and but it was a good wake-up call but i wish you would have been able to do that at adam because like you say the board rubble it's the, the stuff that isn't really hurting anyone for the most part yeah. but it's allowing you to feel how a body is going to move when it's bumped and feel that initial contact and how to roll off and figure the game out it's interesting that they're trying to remove it all but y- you know you watch the nhl the top league and they're trying to they're pretty much getting it out of the game
0: yeah, which is uh, you know I don't know if did you see the ekman larsen hit I don't know I forget who hit him, uh, but basically they're going at a puck fifty-fifty puck sure and at the last second it, it could be it should be just a, a shoulder to shoulder collision well he turns his back and the other guy finishes the other his guy check? Yeah. and goes right through him and I believe the other guy got two games yeah and to me it's like wow so. We're looking at each other. We know there's a puck sitting there. We know we're going to have a collision. And I remember those, and it's like, oh, geez, this one's going to hurt. But now the guy's turning his back to you.
1: Yeah, all you have to do is turn your back now. Yeah. Right? You turn your back. The other guy's – which, I mean, as a guy coming in to hit, you shouldn't be drilling anyone from behind. Um, That's a dangerous, dangerous play. But – when that's used as, you know,
0: like you see yeah. how many people turn yeah. their back now. You, used to, you didn't want to do that. Well, it's almost like uh, when I when I first went to Europe. You know, I see the same things uh, happening with the game. Uh, there was no open ice hits. You know, you ca- you caught a guy, and, and I, I used to love, you know, the old Wendell Clark style. Yeah. You know, you catch a guy, uh, he's either coming across, shooting the puck, He's got his head down. Geez, that was, I mean, that took some skill to catch the guy, right? The right time. Um, but now they're taking those 100%. Those, I, like, I don't know how you hit anybody because a guy skates with his head down. And you run into him, you're getting.
1: Well, yeah, and, and with the NHL, I think too, right now, they're just. It seems almost a little inconsistent at times. Yeah. And, you know, and
0: that's tough too. Yeah, I would I wouldn't want to, you know, I I bark a bit about it, but I wouldn't want to be the one refing either. No. Um, I, because it's, it's, I don't know. It's a,
1: it's a funny world we live yeah. in now with all the technology, which makes it, like, so awesome, right? Technology is amazing. Yeah. Yet it just it causes problems that weren't there 10 years ago, uh, maybe 13 years ago now. Now we're starting to get a little bit past that. But, I mean, yeah. I always tell a story in college for 2007 to 2011. I didn't have a cell phone. So there was four years. Now, I was late to the, the ball game. I know that. But I, I think it's like 2008, 2009 when it really starts to become big, right? Like yeah. before that, you just, you know, you see the videos that come out. You see some of the stuff that goes on. And you, for sure, and me probably mostly, lived in a time of playing any sport where you didn't have to deal with the social media aspect or the 20 million instant replays from 40 yeah. different angles where they slow it down to, you're just like, man, just, you know,
0: the, the part, and, and you know, like you had mentioned, you have, you got kids coming up in, yeah. in hockey and, and, uh, with, with the checking, you know, it starts to become real, especially if you see your son or daughter out there and you see that they're a vulnerable, that they just don't understand, you yeah. know, your body should, cause not, doesn't matter who the kids are some they just don't get it well when you're watching those games man it becomes it's like oh like it's kind of scary you know i I was lucky enough that the, my son for whatever reason it's not like he was he, we put him in any special camp or any special you know thing but but to to watch he, he kind of had it figured out where some of the kids, it's like guys are come barreling in and you're thinking, oh, my God, I don't think he's going to survive. And it can't be much fun for that individual out there. Um, Jumping over to the the social media part of it, uh, like the immense pressure these kids are under now, because before, like, uh, you know, my first year in red deer was awful. Can you imagine if my all my buddies knew, uh, you know, you know how I would feel about it? Like now, you have a bad. Oh well, if you have a, do something stupid on a shift, it's these junior games. They're all on video. Yeah. Like it's everyone knows about it. I mean, it's positive if you know. It's it's the same old thing. Things are going good. Well, it's great, but it's it's hard on the the mental the mental part of the game. Yeah even the pros. You look at a guy like Lucic, like great career, great, and then you know, he just get crucified.
1: Well, I think yeah, of like, I think of the hometown uh, hero from Helmond, Wade yeah, Redden. Yeah. There's a guy that had like one of the best defensemen in his yeah, time era, yeah. one of the best defensemen in the NHL, let alone Canada. Yeah. And then New York happens. Yeah. And after that, man, there's guys that just forget about anything he did prior to that. Yeah. Right? I I had a little history
0: with Wade. Oh? <laughs> yeah. We had a pretty good in a line brawl. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. We had a and I, I knew well, I played against him from Yeah. He was always a little bit a little bit younger, well the the Redden Boys yeah. and yeah. uh Clayton. Yeah, though Battleford Lloyd and then yeah, Brandon and Red yeah. Deer, he was in he was in my era. Well, I, I Yeah.
1: If I remember correct, they beat you the one year on their way to the yeah. Memorial Cup.
0: My my first home game in Red Deer, we're playing Brandon. Okay. They're good, they're big, they're mean. Right. I don't know if you remember a guy named Pete Vandermeer, you probably real like a scrappy he played in the NHL for he's the oldest of the Vandermeer brothers. Okay. Like he played he played in NHL, but he was good for three 400 minutes in the minors and he was not much bigger than me Uh, we're playing against the rink is sold out it's my first game brandon one of the very first shifts where i think we're on the third or fourth line probably third we get out and i'm just shaking and pete vandermeer runs their goalie Uh, i believe it was schaefer uh or I forget who it was, but again, not a rub not, not, you know, how Wendell Clark came around and yes. hit that D man. Yeah. Well, he come around and hit the goalie. the goalie, exploded the goalie, exploded the goalie. And my first thought is what the F are you doing? And then of course all hell breaks loose. And that it wasn't a time with, with Wade, but I just find it, finding somebody just grab on and just hope, hope. So to, did you scrap Wade then? Uh, well, not then, but I scrapped. Uh, it would have been sometime in, in. It was in Brandon. It was a line brawl, and you got to hold the weight. Yeah, yeah. We teamed. Well, I cut. Well, I knew him. He knew me, and and I think they had beat us out of playoffs. It was the last game, and they were. Well, I think they beat us four straight. Yeah. Four straight or four one. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't even. And and yeah, and it was kind of at the point where if we're done
1: going down the blaze of
0: glory, might as well. Yeah, and we. (laughs) Yeah, no, he was. He was. Yeah, they were. They were way better than us. That our our first round, we had upset Swift, and that was the first round that Red Deer had ever won. So we were coming off uh, a. A high. Yeah, we were. We were we were swift was like they were rated to to beat us and in fact they beat us the first two games in swift and then we came back and won four straight and then we had we played against brandon and then they 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 yeah they tooled us pretty good
1: well they were a pretty good team they ended up going on to yeah, the they went to Memorial cup, cup right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you mentioned in your uh a few questions i asked uh asked you before we started this um your first year in red deer you mentioned one of the lessons you learned in life is your mom talking you in the stand <laughs> yeah. what was
0: was that uh well let's talk a little yeah bit no it. And, and this is a this is a lesson that uh, i i've tried to use as a coach and and well, I sometimes you tell yourself this a couple times a year uh it wasn't fun you know we were it was it was tough there uh it was hate i was hating it there and so I said, you know, I said to my mom, I just want to come back and play Junior A and have fun. You know, that's what life's about, just just having fun. And my mom, and usually she doesn't say a whole lot, and she said no. I think my dad said, yeah, you come home, you know. And, and my mom said, no, you're not coming home. And, and even the rest of that year was, that was tough. But then to turn around the next year, and it was just, you know, if a guy quits there, you, you never realize what you're capable of doing. And there's so many times now when you're, you know, life should be all fun, right? But the reality is... It's not. It's not. And if you don't learn that, you know, you go through rough stretches... But you, you learn the process of, of changing those around and and they will they will change. Will it change within a week? Will it change within two weeks? It might take six months or it might take a year, but they will as long as you keep keep showing up, doing the same things, doing the right things. So yeah, that's a huge lesson and, and we all have days today and in where it's like, Oh my god, you know. Got to do this. I got to deal with this, but I go back to those. You know, you just keep rolling, keep going. Uh, the worst thing is not to show up. Uh, I and my wife will laugh at this. Get up, show up. You know, because things will get better. It's when you you decide not to show up that they they can just compound, compound, yeah, snowball. Yeah. Yeah. So it, one of the yeah greatest lessons. Well, one of the main lessons I've ever did learned. you ever. So she just said, "No, you're staying." Yeah, I mean, we were on our way to Calgary. Uh, what a uh, we we're going to. I have family in Calgary. I think we we're going to the Japanese restaurant, and <laughs> that was a big. That's a big deal, right? <laughs> and see some family, and I'm like, oh, geez, you know, it's hard here, and I'm not, I'm not doing very well, and you, you just don't feel, you know, you're. It sucks, right? And I'm like, I should just come home, play with the junior team and, and you know, have some fun. That's what that's what life's about. And my dad's like, Yeah, yeah, no, no that's good. And then I'm thinking, Oh Yeah, I'm getting a bye. I'm getting a pass. And then my mom said, No, you're not coming home. Did you ever talk to her about that after? Oh yeah. Yeah. And what'd she say? Uh I've I've told her quite a few times. I said that yeah. was that's, a big change, oh, right? Uh, or a yeah. big pivotal moment, oh, I guess, 100%, right? Yeah.
1: Keep you on one course or let you
0: go down a completely different yeah, one. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I've never thought about ever uh, quitting at anything. I mean, there there's times when uh, I'm not saying you, you shouldn't. I mean, the, the, if you're in a bad situation. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 But you got to recognize everything yeah, for what it is. Yeah. But it's, you know, sometimes you just got to sit back and say, okay, let's just look at it. And is, is it really that bad or am I being a bit of a, you know, a baby about it and and yeah yeah um yeah definitely a huge huge difference in in my life and it will be moving forward
1: you mentioned that the final year in red deer was very memorable was it because you'd had such well team success not to mention personal uh, success on top of that i think your last year in 66 games you had 45 goals, 53 assists for 98 points, 134 penalty minutes.
2: Yeah.
0: If we go back like the first year, so I leave, no one even talks to me during the summer from Red Deer. Red Deer, yeah. You know, and I come back as a 19-year-old, didn't do anything as an 18-year-old. As a 19-year-old, you you got to be either well back then you got to be a heavyweight or you got to be a top six producer producer you can't just come back and take oxygen type you know what i mean so then nothing i don't hear anything we're getting a new coach uh pete anno got fired and of course any coach is going to get fired after that that year so i just basically you know i have my billet and i know when camp is i just basically show up like i i get no, nothing from anybody i just basically show up i'm there and i'm well they, i don't know it, it, of course my name's on a team but no one went out of their way to say hey you know how are you how are you doing how's the training blah, blah blah no i got nothing so it's a night before a camp and remember my coach tim nielsen he's still a scout for Red right Year, and they're all up all the scouts are up and he says to me he goes you uh i hope you know that you need to do something special to to stay here and and, and i was motivated I, I i knew that and so right from the beginning of camp like i really had a good camp good preseason and in fact there was a couple injuries that got me in the lineup um when I started on the fourth line, kind of barely playing, but it wasn't very long until um, you moved up the ranks. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe. that
1: year you had you had ninety-one points, yeah. forty-five goals, forty-six yeah. assists. Yeah, they must have thought, "Holy crap, we hit the jackpot!" And making sure this guy, we should have been talking to him maybe in the summer, <laughs> right? Or maybe we shouldn't have. Maybe it was a perfect yeah. thing
0: for you. Well, and it, after after training, and I'm remembering some was just funny, which probably a lot of your guests, you know, but. Uh, our assistant coach said to me after training camp, or probably after prison, he just said to me, like, what the, what the hell happened to you last year? And he said to me, he goes, if you do not score, I think he said 20 or 30 goals, I'll give you $500. And I thought. Yeah, I'll cast that check. Well, I was like, is this, you know, I, I know I'm doing well, but I was just, did he just say that to me? And then, yeah, with the confidence and and th- there was kind of a pivotal moment. In my towards the end of my first year, uh, there's a there was a fighter in in uh, Tri Cities Ray Schultz. He played in the NHL. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. So we get into a line brawl, and like like line brawls when you're on a losing team, they're one every two games. Yeah. Guaranteed. Pretty standard. Yeah. And we get into one in Tri Cities, and and I match up with him, and, and by then I'm I'm it's okay, like it's not the end of the world, and he, he lights me up pretty good. Um, I go in the room and I'm mad. I, I like for you know one of the first times I'm I'm really, and we play them two days later, two or three days later in Red Deer, and I didn't really say anything to anybody else, and we come to Red Deer and right off. Uh, there was a little scrum in front of the net, and I'm just like, "Hey, let's do it, let's go!" Except this time it was me and him. We went to center ice, and I, and I lit him up. And I remember when I came back from the, from the penalty box, I came out and it was intermission. All the guys from up top came down. The coach stayed on the bench and waited till I came uh, towards it, and he's like that's what we want <laughs> and that was the first time I think he'd maybe even talked to me all year to be honest yeah and so that gave me quite a bit of, you're, you're, you get some respect from your teammates yeah and that's a confidence booster yeah yeah and so then I got a little you know you sit up a little yeah stand uh, a little taller yeah walk yeah, a little more confident yeah. so yeah I think it just all led in and, and I knew that I was on a lifeline to, to even stay the next year yeah Um. so i I worked accordingly.
1: What were you doing in the off seasons? Like, do you, not being talked to all summer long, were you sitting going out to parties and drinking? and Or were you like, you know what, I need to... I, I,
0: I would say at the beginning I was. And then at one point my dad actually said to me, he said like... <laughs>
1: Maybe get it together a yeah, little
0: bit? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, back then, and, and I don't know... They didn't really talk to you know, a whole lot, any like there was no email or text or, yeah. so they didn't really, uh, uh, but he just said, Hey, you know, it's, I think like it's mid July here, we better crank it up yeah. a notch. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I worked out quite a bit different and worth a purpose. Like, you know, the first year you're going there and it's like, geez, you know, well, I'm going there, but am I going there? And yeah, I don't know. It's it's the first year away from home is the toughest year, like it. it uh, for me, anyway, uh, the the thing I've found uh, is there's lots of good hockey players, there's lots of uh, talented people, but can you can you find your way when you're uncomfortable? Can you find your way when when uh, no one knows you? Uh, can you find your way in a room full of strangers? That's the hard part, and I found that's typically the difference between a lot of guys actually climbing the, the ladder. Reins, yeah. yeah. You know, you have your 3 or 4% of guys that are your top-end skill, and, and they're going to get a shot regardless. But realistically, the other 95% are guys that have... Are, are doing the right things at the right time they play simple and they've found a way to to play when they feel uncomfortable when they only get two or three shifts a game you know that's not if you learn how to do that that's a that's an outstanding uh, skill to have uh you know when you don't feel like you're the most important person in the room how can you contribute to a team like those are those are things that a lot of people don't know and you'll hear, well, that guy should have never played in the NHL or that guy, but you don't really They found a way to contribute. Yeah. When they and, f- <laughs> feel, the, when you feel the least, cause we all know how you, how it's no, when you don't feel comfortable, geez, it's sometimes you can't even spell your own name, but can you imagine producing, you know, in a professional setting? Like that's, that's not an easy thing to do.
1: Against the best. Yeah. Because everybody's the best, yeah. right? At that you're getting up to the very, very yeah. small, 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 minute percentage yeah. to make it there. Yeah. So your first year in Red Year then, did you get homesick or? I
0: yeah. Would you have been going at seventeen? You would have been grade twelve in Red Deer. I, I was uh, no, I was eighteen. Oh, you're eighteen. Yeah, she'd oh, already graduated. Yeah. A little unusual, eighteen-year-old rookie. You yeah. don't. I mean, don't see that whole bunch. No. Uh, I'd already graduated. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, hundred percent homesick. Yeah, I had great billets. Great, like that was, and we're they're still really good friends. Who's that? Let's give them a shout out. Uh, Sandy Anderson. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, like w- without without her, yeah, she'd have been a well. There was, Yeah, I, I don't think I would have. It would have been a, a good reason to come home. Yeah. Right. You know, Bill, it's not treating me well. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, it, poor me. Yeah, it, it's just yeah, it, and yeah, we still today she's more with my wife but they they keep in touch and
1: now yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I always showed out to Robin and Janet Lane because I was yeah. very 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 fortunate to land in the billet house I did yeah. with I lived with them for three years they were unreal yeah right like came to my wedding and yeah they took the wife up there well we've been up there a couple times now went back for an alumni game jerseys hanging on the wall uh got uh introduced to my kids right like yeah. it's yeah. uh I always think the Bill of Family has got to be—you got to be special people to want to introduce a seventeen. well, maybe what sixteen to twenty-year-old into your house because you can introduce some havoc.
0: Yeah, there's, or there's, you can land uh, on some great kids. Don't yeah. get me wrong. There's
1: a lot of great kids out there too.
0: We took a well, we took a kid uh, last year, Austin Klein from Provost. Okay, because my son played AAA midget, so it's right. a little bit different. A little different. Yeah, we know them well, and, and it was just. You know, when you go through it, you realize what it does, you know, how it can change someone's life. But it, you know what? Being on the opposite side of it, yeah, it, it changes your life, too, as a billet parent. Did you enjoy it? Oh, 100%, yeah. It was, you know, just being around the, the hockey guys. And sometimes they're probably like, who's this old bag of bones? <laughs> like, and they get some chirping back and forth. Yeah. Uh, you just appreciate and you, you kind of know what they're going through um, and you just you, you appreciate the process and and it's tough for these kids like they they're basically learning things that a lot of people don't learn until they're 25 30 absolutely
1: well i, I was yeah. thinking like yeah. I, I left at 18 yeah. so you know i don't know 18 through the history of the world that's that's a a moment you're supposed to be growing up right yeah. but there's kids that leave home at like 13 14 yeah that's a lot to ask yeah but i mean they gotta at some point you gotta learn those lessons yeah. just seems young as my son's turning four and i'm going 10 years from now you know he walks out the door like that's pretty crazy to think right yeah and it happens quick <laughs>
0: like it's, yeah you know this year our, our boy going up to to bonnieville you always tell yourself that it's most likely gonna happen uh when it does happen, though, it's...
1: How's that adjustment been?
0: Uh, it's different. The house is empty. Yeah. Just, just me and the wife. Empty nesters? Yeah, it gets, <laughs> gets pretty... We're up there quite a bit uh, watching... You know, now I'm a fan, and it's just... Uh, in fact, a lot of people ask me when I come back, and I did coach a bit. Coach coached the AAA Stars in North Balfour for a few months, which I liked, but watching my boys play... Is Like it, it doesn't even compare, yeah. You know, it, it's just so enjoyable and it, it not much pressure. You just show up at game time, you watch, and you go home.
1: You never like, thought of coaching them, or in Lloyd and uh, such, it's a little tougher well, I, to do.
0: I did, in I did in uh Adam, yeah. and and Pee Wee, but at Bantam, that's t- in my opinion, that's it's time for them to, to go off on their own, and, and we, had, we had moved around quite a bit, so the kids are used to meeting new people, but I think the one of the proudest moments I had of Chase is we had left, he was second year Pee Wee, so then he was just coming into Bantam in Lloyd. And so it's Bantam AAA tryouts, and you go in to sign up, and it's all, you know, everyone knows everybody and they know the area. And he goes in there and he he signs himself up and he has an outstanding camp. Like, it's a first year of contact, right? So you're kind of just like, I don't know how, how he's going to do. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he did. And he's, he's done really well uh, in hockey ever since coming to Lloyd. And he's really progressed every year.
1: Who does Bonneville get in the first round? Drayton Valley.
0: Yeah.
1: They, when does that start? This weekend. Saturday. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be there. <laughs> Best of seven. Yeah. So first two games in yeah. Bonneville.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're four. Five. Bonneville's four. Drayton's five. Five. Yeah. From what I see, I mean, Drayton's a gritty team. Like yep. they're. They're gritty. Uh, Bonneville's gritty. gritty t- like it's gonna be a. It's gonna be a, a, a good matchup, and just whoever, I guess. Gets a good feeling and goaltending and yeah. get on a roll.
1: And this has got to be the best time of year.
0: Oh yeah, without a- it.
1: Right. Oh, wait, you know what was today? NHL trade deadline. Yeah, you know, Oilers fan. What team
0: you got? No, I Red Red Wings. But I'm well, not the Red really... Wings gave us a bunch of players, yeah, yeah, today, yeah. right? So I, I'm the old like I'm not really a f- a fan anymore. I guess because the Oilers are always on TV. You kind of and guys are always talking about them. So. Yeah. So I guess you know you pay attention. You know more about. What's well, going they're the on. local team. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But if you, it was you, you'd take Detroit. Well, I'm I'm the Eisenman Probert, Kosher guy. Like, well, the, I tell the, you what; those if, are the those are the heydays for me. Of
1: number one on Sean's list to ever get in this room will be Stevie Y or yeah. wherever he wants to do it. I'll gladly <laughs> yeah, go. Right, yeah. like Stevie Y was the yeah, man.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, he's it. It was just unreal. Well, what they did. To Detroit like how they changed yeah when I first started like they were just a laughing stock and and then uh well Iserman coming in he was so young and then Prober beating the shit out of every like it, well kosher too and they were they were kind of the team I've always played on that that will beat you in the alley or will beat you on the scoreboard and I I love those teams like uh, to me To to me, I don't know how you win a championship. And I'm not saying fighting anymore. No. With a little bit of sand. Oh, without being heavy. Yeah. And
1: and, so you like the blues right now, then. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. And you got to be somewhat, I don't know, a bully out there. Is that that allowed? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. You got to. You're playing to win, man. Yeah. You got to have the mentality this is my puck. Yeah. You take it from me. I'm going to get it back, whether it's legal or illegal. Yeah. Well, you got to do what yeah, it takes to win. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and uh, like it or not, in the playoffs, the game changes. And until something drastic happens, it's always just going to change a little bit. Because the refs just don't, they, they loosen off, right? Everybody gets upset about it. That's playoff hockey. That's all the way from the NHL down to yep. midget C provincials. That's what happens. They loosen up the whistle, or they... Tighten up the whistle, whatever you want to call it, and they just they let the kids play, which means it goes back to what you said earlier that around that goal tent, around that net, you got to want to go there because if you go there, you're gonna get beat up a little bit. You're gonna want to dig for that puck.
0: Colorado and Calgary last year, yeah, prime example. Well, Tampa Bay, uh, Columbus, Columbus, another prime example. You know, I'm just sitting there loving that, like, and I and I could care less about well. Colorado, I like because, well, Bednar, but they're like, to me, that was just justice. Like these guys have been, they're talking about this new style and to, like, I'm, I'm neither a Flames fan or, or not, but Johnny Hockey, like he, they were high flying, squirting at each other in the mouth all year with their water and they had their fun, but he looked like, yeah, it, it, he, he physically couldn't touch the puck, and I don't really think he wanted to because Colorado, like I said, they were bold. They were big. They they were. It's just a different intensity, right? Yeah. You know, you can be a big guy and you can play a certain way. And eighty some games. I mean, they have. To, they're not gonna be. No,
1: you can't. Eighty two. Yeah. What you yeah. play? How many yeah. what was the most games you played in the season? Sixty. Uh,
0: yeah, probably. I, I usually had a couple breaks for injuries. But even then, yeah. Yeah. 60, sixty games seven, yeah. and sixty games yeah. is yeah. too much. Yeah. Like, I remember
1: playing 52, and by game 30, I'm like, oh, man, just get us to the playoffs right now. Yeah. Heck, I'm in senior, and we played 16, <laughs> and by game 10, I'm like, are we at playoffs yet? Right? Like, I just, yeah. I just want to play a, playoff yeah, hockey. it's
0: a different – different, and, and part of it, you know, the years – the years – if you've had a good year, great. It's just great. But especially if you've had a bad year, then you, you, you wipe the slate clean everyone starts from zero and if you have a good one round three round it just changes everything um and you either are good you keep playing or if you're not good you go home it just it, i i like that that fact that hey the season's over now the real season starts yeah if you're good enough if your team's good enough you keep going if not you're not good enough go home
1: i always said with lucic because he looked like a fish out of water yeah. by the But if they'd ever got back in the playoffs, he's built for the playoffs. I,
0: the, what I fear, and what happens when you get older and towards the end of the rope on your career, yeah. and you start having self-doubt, Yeah. It, really, he could be the, in, the most in best shape athlete in the world, but if you don't have that natural positive energy, that natural adrenaline... That's a fair point. You can do. Oh, trust me, I've been, <laughs> I've been through it. Where, you know, there's a lot of negativity, and it's not around the team. It's in a lot of it, you feel your, yourself. It's kind of self, I don't know, self-imposed. But you know, you're, he, he got paid well because he deserved it, right? He was yep. he he did what he did, and he was a free agent, and yep. and guys overpay, and so. But the flip side is. When you get overpaid, you're, or when you get paid that much, and things don't go well, it becomes a cloud, right? Yeah, it's like everywhere you go, it follows. Yeah, you. and and hey, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, at the end of the day, is do I feel really bad for him? No, because uh, he's still making six million a year and still playing in the show. Uh, I I'm just not sure. Uh, with the speed, because it it's it'll get rough, rougher in playoffs, but it gets faster too.
1: True, yeah. But so. if he can hang around the dirty zones,
0: I, I I just and he started to get some traction, yeah. uh, and and it, it, some more positivity and, and feeling good about himself. And, and no matter what anybody that uh, they write articles about him or this or that, it it comes within right yeah. of of him really feeling. Hey, you know, I'm really helping out i'm really doing and then you start you'll see him fight more like you just have more energy yeah like you, you just do yeah that's that's what i think it's, it's hard to see uh somebody go through that but it, that's part of the game right the, the old guy you get old and new guys come in and they take spots that's that's speaking
1: of old guys we think of patty marlowe going to penguins
0: you would have yeah. played against yeah Patty. yeah I think he was a sixteen year old in Seattle yeah uh again didn't really see him all yeah that's lot. right because he would yeah. only played him yeah yeah um I really haven't watched uh, enough but he's a smart intelligent player and you get him around other
1: smart intelligent yeah players. he'll
0: he'll do well and and stuck around for a long he's gonna know what he needs to do to to help out that team and he'll yeah. he'll he'll figure it out right away.
1: Well, let's talk about after your junior career because we've stuck on the dub for a long yeah. time. That last year of dub, yeah. did you get any
0: opportunities to go anywhere? Well, I, I probably was a little too gung, gung-ho. Um, I signed a contract to the IHL, which the Nordique had left Quebec City, right? Oh, okay. So when they left, they got an IHL franchise. And I believe it was- The Quebec? Raphael. Raphael. Yeah. I believe it was their second year in the IHL. And yeah, so I didn't- I went to Dallas camp as a 19-year-old Dallas Stars. For the Dallas Stars. Okay. What was that like? To the rookie camp. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. I I thought I did well. I didn't get held over till main camp, but they actually uh, offered me a contract to Kalamazoo to play in the. Well, it was still the IHL, their farm team. Okay. Yeah, fifty some fifty thousand, and I was still a twenty year old with Red Deer. Like I, I still had another year. Had another year. Yeah. So, so you turned it down then? Well, yeah, I eventually turned it down. But what it, what happened was because I had had. Uh, my wife and I had a son and like in red deer, my last year, like Daxon was a year old or just born. Okay. So I come back to red deer and I told the GM, I said, yeah, they offered me 50 or, well, I do not they offered me a contract in the minors and I'm going to go there because I have a, a family and, and, uh. and he goes, they did that. And I go, yeah. And, and cause he used to scout for, for minnesota and it was okay so anyway he goes well, let me call you later and I, I he seemed like he was upset like he he seemed like he kind of set up the tryout with the fact that hey let's just let the guy go down there and show him a good time and yeah come back. and come back and play a season <laughs> yeah so then i come back and say well they offered me a and i think i'll take it like 50 grand i'm like done yeah i get my own apartment and and then he calls me and he says, I'll tell you what. He goes, we'll get you your own apartment. We'll pay all your expenses here in Red Deer. And then, and then my agent calls me. He says, yeah, we think it's better for you to, to play as a 20-year-old in Red Deer. Uh, you get more opportunity. You probably sign as a free agent, blah, blah, blah. So I ended up by staying uh, as, a, as a 20-year-old, having a really good year. And still kind of chatting with my agent. At Dallas and my agent's like yeah Dallas is gonna they're, they're gonna offer you so they they come out to, to to North Balford during the summer I met with them and I mean I don't know what they obviously maybe didn't like what I said <laughs> and uh yeah I never they what they did is they said well come back to camp again as a you know as and my agent's like no we're not giving them another free look I remember he said that and I'm like, whatever, you know, yeah, you tell this is what we should do. And, and he goes, but I got a contract for you in the eye, 55,000 US, uh, go there and you'll get other offers, like it, it'll work out good. So then I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's sign it. And let's, and this is like May 30th, it, pretty early now that, you know, you, yeah. but as a, a, a 20 year old, like you don't really you just assume well I, I was probably maybe too confident I was like ah oh, it don't worry. doesn't matter where I go I'll, I'll find a way it'll work out so that's how I ended up in in Quebec Quebec City yeah I almost playing in Quebec City like it was fun
1: it was fun um, moved the wife and kid out with you
0: yeah yeah uh, so I, I'm in the hotel because I signed a two-way with Quebec so fifty-five thousand. Yeah, it was 55000 to play up in the IHL. And then if I went down to Pensacola, it was a certain, I can't even remember. But if I played 20 games in the IHL, then it just went to a one-way. There was no...
1: Up or down. Yeah.
0: So I start really good. I get my first goal in Detroit um, against the Detroit Vipers. and I love Detroit, like Detroit Red Wings. I think it was... Two or three games in, I get a wraparound goal, and I'm just loving, loving life. Uh, after I'd been in a hotel for six weeks, and then the GM said, "Yeah, go. Once they tell you go get your place, then you're, you're." You know you're there. You're you're there. Right. So I start really good. I, I've like unbelievable first ten games, and then we start losing. And obviously, I wasn't playing real well, so. Twenty games come and I'm like, twenty games. I mean, it's one way. There's no way they're sending me down after, after. Sure enough, we're in Orlando on our, on like a six week road trip. Six <laughs> week road trip. Six weeks. Yeah. How do you pack for a six week? I I went to I went to Quebec with one bag <laughs> for the whole year. <laughs> What did you see of the life when you were walking out the door? Well, I guess I'll see you in a month and a half. Uh, who knows? You just, yeah, six weeks. So it uh, might have been the first or second game. We're in Orlando, beautiful. Uh, playing Orlando, it was just awesome. But I hadn't been to Miami yet. Miami wasn't until the next year. Right. And, uh, yeah, we have a brutal game. And one of the guys that tried out in Quebec City with me ended up by getting cut by Quebec playing for Orlando. So I we were in the same boat. We were kind of bubble guys, and and he says to me, "Well, come with me after the game. You know, you guys are staying, and we'll go get a bite to eat." Well, we just we're on like a terrible losing streak. Nothing's going well. I go to jump in his car, and we're taking off. And who do we drive by? The coach and the assistant coach are walking to the. They're walking to the hotel or somewhere, and they I can see that they see me taken off with this and sure enough i get back to the hotel and they're like yeah you're going down to pensacola which was their east coast league team right yeah so that was a shocker i was like i you know i got my one way i there's no way they're sending me you know i'm set here and then no that isn't how (laughs) that isn't how it goes call up the
1: wife I've been sent down to Pensacola.
0: Uh, Yeah, Pensacola, they... What did they do? Oh, Pensacola was playing in Jacksonville. So they sent me on, like, a plane. and, And it's like the planes. I'd never seen them that small before. And I'm thinking, where in the hell am I going? Like, don't have any clue. And I'm pretty upset. I go to this dump in Jacksonville, like this hotel... And they're like, yeah, the 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 East Coast team will be there sometime. Just sit at the hotel and wait. And yeah, it was it was uh it wasn't much fun. It was it was tough. Uh so anyway we we play a game in Jacksonville. I don't even really remember how I did. And then the next game's in New Orleans. New Orleans is in the East Coast League. And we get to New Orleans and I have a terrible I broke. Broke my ankle and needed surgery? surgery. Yeah, it was a really bad break. It tore a, tore a lot of my tendons in my ankle. Uh, it was about a eight month, seven eight month recovery. Yeah. So, I, what had happened is I had my surgery in Pensacola, and then when I was good enough, I flew back up to Quebec City and just did my uh, rehab there. That's co-
1: That's a that's a first year.
0: Yeah, it, it was such a you know you, you get to hey I'm making you know I'm I'm getting paid to play and and you th- you're kind of thinking you're you're making lots of money. <laughs> One of the guys, I got, older guy Dan Ratushni, I got to know. him. He's kind of a I don't know fancy fancy guy, and he's like ah oh, I live right downtown and. And the, the coach tells me after I'm living in this hotel in the middle of nowhere, like on the suburbs, he says, yeah, you go get yourself a, an apartment. What do I do? I go right downtown and I get the first one I'm looking at, a one-bedroom suite. It's right down, like, five. and all the guys are like, what do you, like, you got that place <laughs> fully furnished. It was beautiful. Like, but I didn't leave with a whole lot of money that year. <laughs> Did you at least learn from your lesson? Oh, yeah. No, it, it's pretty funny because at first you, you don't realize that, okay, you get paid, but there's tax off that money too. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> so crap. That's... I'm not actually making that. Oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, it's, you're, that's it's better to learn it at 20 than at 30, 40. So, it
1: brings us to South Carolina, which we started almost at the start of this entire conversation yeah. about South Carolina. How does... So, you go from playing in the IHL for Quebec, getting sent down to Pensacola, and now you go to South Carolina. Long
0: story how I ended up there. So, what happened was, I come back off this injury, and I'm like, well, I'm an IHL player. Like, I just went through. My agent's like, yeah, you are, and uh, we're going to get you a tryout in Milwaukee. Milwaukee, they like you, they want you. Um, so I signed a tryout there, and doesn't go good. Like it's just not good. Uh, I I have another reason why I thought the well now knowing. So apparently when you signed a tryout with with uh, the IHL or AHL team, and if you they let you go, you automatically became property of their East Coast team. But I didn't have a any kind of contract so I go to Milwaukee and they're like yeah we like you but you know you're coming off this injury uh, we want you to go to Hampton Roads John Brophy's the coach um, which I, I didn't care about and I am said yeah sure like you're gonna have to pay me like some good money for me to go and they're like oh no you, you're gonna get league minimum and I'm like league minimum I go that ain't gonna work And they're like, well, you have no choice because we have your rights. So I said, to hell with that. So what I did is there's a team in Oklahoma City, like uh, uh, the league that uh, Clayton played in, uh, I I don't know, Central.
1: Uh, Central Hockey League? Yeah.
0: So I have a contract. I I was like, I'm going to Oklahoma City. I signed a contract with them. I think I'm on, we're all loaded up. We got a trailer, a small trailer just with our stuff. We're going to me, my wife, Dax and my oldest son. He's a baby. We're going to Oklahoma City. I get a call from Jody Layman, And he's like, man, we're in Charleston, South Carolina. We love And this is, we had my father-in-law's cell phone. Cause we never, How big was that thing? It was big. And it's a good thing he has lots of money because we, we were talking like, yeah, we've yeah, it was free, which it Rack, was. <laughs> racked up a bill, did you? So I, I tell them, well, they know I'm going to Oklahoma City, and they're like, man, you got why don't you come play with us? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I can't. I'm I'm rights of Hampton Roads. Like, I just can't. And so Jason Fitzsimmons, the assistant coach who played in Moose Jaw and yeah. buddies with Stanny, and it's kind of this whole small community. He says, you know, he says, we, we need a guy like you, like, you know, that year they had, they thought, well, we're going to go away from a tough team. We're going to just have a lot of middleweights and we're going to see how, and more of a skilled team. So he goes, you fit, would fit perfect to what we need. And I go, okay, uh, what are you going to pay? Like, so I had kind of learned like this. And so we got that all figured out. And by then we're, we almost hit the border. Like uh, Montana or North Dakota. But we're still like, a, we're still got the directions we're going to Oklahoma City. And he's like, he, he goes, okay, I'll work on a trade. And so I think we drove for about eight or nine hours. And then he called back and he's like, stop at the next gas station and grab a map. Cause he's like, you're coming to South. And I'm like, I don't even know how to get to South Carolina because there's no, and he's like, stop at the next gas station, keep your receipt. <laughs> we'll, we'll We'll reimburse you for I, a map. Yeah, he said, keep your receipts. And he goes, instead of going straight south, he goes, Take a hard turn left. So sure enough, yeah. They, what map did you buy? Oh, a map we, of the United yeah, States? It, yeah, you can back yeah, you just went to a gas station. Well, I remember the in the Huskies yeah, they you, always had them the, the map books. Yeah, you pull it out and it folds into eighty different and yeah, we so we went down and we just hung a straight left. And I called Oklahoma City and said, yeah, I'm not coming. And they were pissed.
1: I don't doubt that.
0: But, yeah, so we get there and, uh, yeah, just just a life-changing. R- really, like, it's such a nice place, good people. First year was tough. That, this is my first year in the East Coast League where we don't have the horses for the East Coast League uh back then you had 10 forwards okay and most teams had two to three legit head heavies like not not guys that can maybe play guys that really can't play but they they're there like they don't even put on elbow pads they just like why because you're just gonna fight yeah so you get up two or three goals on a team Sometimes they just let you. Some of them, like they're bad teams, right? They just they just want to fight, and we we didn't have the horses. We had a decent team, but we we physically weren't where we needed to be, so we we lost out pretty 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 close or pretty, I think first round, and then the next year we got a little bit heavier, and in our last year, of the year we won, we brought in well Jared Bednar came back, we had. We had one heavyweight, but we had four or five like goers, and then we had a few middleweight guys. So, team nobody, everyone skated two two feet taller type of thing. Uh, you, Your skilled guys could be skilled guys, and and if you could get up six seven one, and no one would. Would would attempt to do anything We just We ran the table I, I'm pretty sure We were second in the league First in the south And then we We just went on The the hole to, to win it all Yeah
1: what, what did you guys go That year in
0: playoffs Well it, I'll tell you what We almost lost out The second round We It was a best of five Yeah And we were down Two games to one And we come Back Two games to one, playing the fourth game in Mobile, Alabama. Okay. Over. Yeah. And I thought, like, we're, we're in trouble. And we ended up by winning that game six or, like, we blew them out. Actually, Jody Lehman came in that. They switched up the goalies. Goalies. One. And then we came back to to Charleston, South Carolina for game five. The And we won in double overtime in game five. Double OT? Yeah. Two on one. And it wasn't me. It was my... Uh, Damian Prescott is a two-on-one. It was a wide two-on-one. And he one-timed it and it went right right on the ice, right in the net. And it was one of those games where it's like, oh my God. Like, you just, you really tests your physical because you're like, I don't think I can go out uh, another, you know, just... Another shift. Yeah. Another and then, shift. And then another to shift. To be on those types of teams, championship, you have to have you know cuz there's always some doubt you, each player goes through but other guys well, pick we, you up
1: it, it's playoffs no matter how you go about winning if you win is a roller coaster ride there's yeah. such highs and there are yeah. such lows and it's trying to keep an even kill, which none of us can ever seem yeah. to do because it's that's it's an emotional roller coaster yeah and overtime especially double overtime or triple overtime yeah you almost need a day off or like a break, right? Like that, we talk about it all the time, right? Only in yeah, senior yeah. hockey, let alone, you know, yeah. in the Kelly Cup, right? Like, I mean, are going for the Kelly Cup? That's emotionally taxing, let alone yeah. physically playing yeah, that, that much that hockey. Was a,
0: that was uh that was a tough, real tough, and um, I th- I think one of the. You know, it's like anywhere you go, you start off a certain role, and you slowly build, and then you make relationships, and then when you you win something, that that for sure, out of the three championships, was physically the hardest, the longest road that you you have to go through to to win, um, and then to we took the cup downtown. I remember me and Layman, we uh, we always had our spot downtown, and it was a it was a pretty good thrill for two guys from north Battleford, to we we kind of stole the cup i think out of the dressing room and (laughs) took it downtown to your watering hole yeah i took it downtown and and it's charleston's big but it's not it's not that big and they're big hockey fans so it was it was lots of fun
1: well this has got to bring us to the time you fight the bus driver i want to i've been waiting to hear this story now for almost two hours (laughs) so Let's get to how the Rockstar bus driver and you scrap on the main side of, or on the side of the main highway.
0: So after three years of playing in South Carolina, I went to Colorado for a year, tried the West Coast Hockey League. Now they're all one and I didn't didn't like it. So then I was like, well, I'm going to come back to the East Coast. So South Carolina's full though. They've already signed all their veterans because you're only allowed so many players with so many games and I was a veteran by then. So I'm like, well, I like the area. I think I'll go to their biggest rival. And that's a, I've done it a couple times. I did it once in Germany. Um, you're familiar with the team, the players. They know who you are. Um, so anyway, so what ends up by happening a lot of times is you end up by sharing the same... Bus driver because you're... What team was a rival? P.D. Pride. I got to be honest. When I was
1: looking at your, I went, P.D., is that a real place? That is a real well, place. Well, it's called
0: Florence, South Carolina. I don't know why they call it P.D. I think P.D. is like the area. Is the area? So, like, let's say for Bonneville, Coal Lake, they call it the lake line. The lake line. Yeah, okay. That's the same it, kind of idea. Uh, Yeah. yeah. P.D. Pride. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> big big NASCAR. like. Oh, that, okay. Oh, okay. Like you're yeah. talking... Uh, Darlington. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They offered us in, in field tickets to Darlington. I didn't go, which was the stupidest thing I've ever not done in my life. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. So lots of times you get the same bus driver because if you're not on the same road trip at the same time. So if this Pete Puella, he's comes, he's familiar face. So I'm like Pete and, we had him over at dinners because he actually lived in Florida. This is where the, how the story, I'm trying to build this story up for you. So we're on a road trip. We're in Atlantic City. Uh, as you know, Atlantic City, right? Lots to do. We're, we're there. We play an afternoon game. It's New Year's Eve. Coach says, if you guys do well, we'll, we'll stay till 1 a.m. We'll be curfew and then we'll go. And Pete, he did this a lot of times. He would drive down to South Carolina, but then he would keep going down to Florida to see his wife, right? Which was still another four or five hours he had okay. to go. So, of course, he's itching. He's pissed off, first of all, that we're staying to... And for us just to go to and Atlantic City for New Year's Eve. And he's he's got all... Like, he's always got all his leather on, always. Like, he's got the... Uh, the vest. He's got the long hair. Like he looks like, you know, he's missing quite a few teeth. And so, one of my buddies that I went, we won with in South Carolina is playing in Atlantic City that year. So I'm like, perfect, let's go, Mike. And we we go belly up somewhere. And I'm late coming to the bus. I think I get there around one thirty or two. And of course, Pete's pissed. He's, he's, he's pissed. And I had a really good year that year. I was good with the coach and, and everyone was feeling pretty good. So it really wasn't that big of a deal. I think I was doing decent on the tables and I'm not a gambler. And when I mean decent, I probably won four or five. Yeah. So uh, I'm thinking that, you know, I'm a pretty important person and, and lots of times I get sarcastic and kind of joking and egging people on and so this is going on, and he's pissed at me, and I'm probably making fun of him. <laughs> and I think it's the I-95, like it's a busy highway. And he says, rightfully so, basically, you think you're so funny. He pulled the bus over, and he said, "Well, let's let's do this. Let's let's get in the." And I'm like, "Sure, let's go." And we get in the ditch, and we're kind of wrestling around, and he just it it wasn't really a fight. But he he ripped off my shirt and kind of put me in a chokehold. And it was basically done. So we come back on the bus and he's still pissed. I don't care. Like I'm just, I'm having a great time. Next thing I know, I wake up, we're at the rink. I have no shirt. I got dress pants on and I got some cash in my belt buckle. (laughs) Like from the money I won the night before, but that's, that was the the story of the scrap from the
1: scrapping the biker bus driver
0: yeah God I mean I, I yeah I feel bad now because I know he was wanting to get home to his wife because he's on the road like all all the time yeah, yeah yeah so but he'll get over it or he would have gotten over
1: it <laughs> what was uh
0: what took you to Europe was it I needed a change um The the East Coast was changing then. It was because when I first went there, there was plenty of older guys. So what I mean, older, uh, you know, your four veterans could be anywhere from twenty-six to thirty-two. They're guys that live in that city. Um, They're getting paid from different sources. They're getting so they're making enough. They're making a, a good wage. The East Coast. And rightfully so, they made a decision, we're going to get out all the old guys. We don't want this a uh, destination league. I think, A, uh, the, the cost to keep older guys was didn't make sense for the business model because they want to make money too, right, yeah. the, the teams. And they wanted it to be a developmental league. And I had won there. I had done well in that league. Uh, there wasn't very many families at all in that yep. scenario and schmidt german and uh, i i could make more money i knew that and it was a little easier life's like on the you know one home game one away game so yeah i i said i got an agent uh frank peter angelo i don't know he's old goalie yeah and uh he's like yeah oh yeah germany yeah he goes yeah no i know lots about germany and and i'll, I'll get you a contract and, and it was actually late in the summer where he called me it was good money and of course the name of the town i'm like yeah i don't know is it germany he's like oh yeah yeah, yeah. It's, so i go there weisswasser it's pretty much on the polish border old east germany small town and I get there and a guy picks me up in Berlin and he can speak pretty good English. And he's like, well... He's like, first thing he says to me, he's like, why are you here? For one. And then he's like, we've never had a Canadian stay the whole year. So I find that out. And then I go there and I find out, well, they've only had Czech players. Like they've yeah. never had a Canadian stay the whole year. Um, but I, I... It, it was a learning experience. It was a culture shock. Uh, it, everything was just different, but it was...
1: What was maybe one of the hardest things to adjust to? The
0: uh, the hockey. You know, we're, we're Canadians. Don't tell me how to play hockey. So you, you kind of buck the system. They, if I fought, you'd get kicked out of that game, you'd get kicked out of next game, but they would take two days' pay away from me. They didn't like fighting, yeah. which I which was totally made no sense to me. They didn't like mean play. Like it, it was real tough to understand. And then I was like, you can't tell a Canadian how to play hockey. But then as you you're like, well they they're paying your wage, they can they tell you how.
1: How did you adjust to playing on the big ice surface? <laughs>
0: It's just different. Yeah. Um, parts of it I liked, you know, more open. I was a good skater, but the, the part, it was, it was, they played more of a late now, like the NHL. Yeah. Like it was almost like soccer style. And, yeah. I, and I hate to say that with all the flopping around and it's almost like a soccer game out there, but much more patient where you, you just don't go, go, go. Um, that, that was hard to get used to. The the training camp like you would get there six weeks before and it was just like we would train so hard and then on the weekends we'd have off and whatever you did all week you just drank it like it was just like to me made no sense yeah why don't we just get here three weeks before work really hard get right into the season but that's that's you just you're i mean that's uh, that's the way they do it it's their league they pay you and if they tell you to do things if you don't like it do you remember your first
1: practice where they were writing up drills and did they speak in English
0: oh no so there they would have they spoke in German a lot of a lot of teams and did you know any German no no no, no. nothing so you remember nothing
1: like uh, I have vivid memories of my first practice in Finland and you know they're right and they're drawing X's and it's you know, I mean, you, you know. I'm sure yeah. in America and well, in the States or Canada or you know, and wherever you went, you kinda got to pay attention half ass. <laughs> I was and, always- you kinda, and you knew what was going on. Oh yeah, we're gonna do that drill, blah blah whatever. And then you go over to Europe and you can't understand a damn word, and I remember thinking, We're gonna do what now. Like, what is that ex doing? And I had to like I remember being like, Okay, I don't wanna fuck this up. What is he talking about again? And I just sit there, and I remember him looking at me, too, and being like, you understand? Except in Finnish. And I'm like, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm going to screw this up. And I was the the Donkey Kong, the drill killer of the Finnish. Because half the time, you don't even know. And then the goalie, there was a goalie who played over. uh, I played on a team with no Americans, no North Americans. So I was the only. How many
0: imports were you guys allowed?
1: uh, They were allowed three or four. And we had none except for me. Yeah, and they hadn't had a so Canadian hard. in what was like, something like 10 years. Yeah. And so there was a goaltender who played in the CHL for a couple of years, so he could kind of speak English. And so whenever I got in trouble, he go the coach would go talk to him, and then he'd come slowly skating over and be like, he wants you to do this. <laughs> and I'd be like, I feel like a freaking moron. Or, I can't even pass the puck right
0: I was kind of used to it because I wasn't great in in North America. I was always, always, uh, if you don't know, don't go guy. Mm -hmm. So I would always lurk in the back. Uh, Yeah. You know, the communication's funny. and, And that's a, you know, it's very tough to go as an import. And and to be the only English-speaking one in a you know in a other different language like that's not an easy. It's isolation. It's oh a, yeah, it, right. It's, it's it's a
1: strange,
0: it's, strange feeling. My first first they get us over to Germany and then they're like, "Okay, hey, we're going to Leipzig," and I'm like, we're, we're, for what? We're going to training camp. We're there for three weeks, which is not a big deal because the wife and kids they never came in, in, when I was in Europe for six weeks after." We get to this nice hotel and the Russian guys are, well, they could be Russian Czech, And they're like, uh, we're going down, uh, to the, to the hot tub or to the, to the sauna or whatever. And I'm like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll meet you guys down there. So I get down a little bit late and like there's six, seven guys in a, in a hot tub, almost shoulder to shoulder. And I'm thinking, Hmm. Weird, but whatever. And I got my big board shorts on. And so I get in. I start swimming. And a, a Canadian family just comes into the pool area. Very strange. We were at a Hilton. So it was a nice hotel. And they're sitting there. And and pretty soon, these guys all get out of the hot tub. They're all buck naked. <laughs> I'm thinking. And you would, I mean, Finland. You, I mean, it, it's... So it's a culture I'll, shock. I'm the, <laughs> And I got these—I don't know—they probably think I got pants on. Very much, yeah. Uh, Oh, another—that same year, the the trainer invites us to a beach, and says we're gonna have a beach day. We're gonna do this, and my family's still not there, so I'm like, yeah, whatever. And one of the Finnish guys actually says, "Yeah, this is a, a it's a nude beach," and I'm like, well. That's weird. But anyway. So we get there and all the families, and of course, everyone's got clothes on, and and the trainer comes over with a, a volleyball and he's naked. And he, he says, No, no. We're playing we're, we're sitting over here and it's on the naked side of the beach. And he goes, We're gonna play volleyball. And all the the, and some of the wives are there, and they're just thinking, this, and this old hairy, like, like bearded trainer, and he's got a volleyball in his hand. And I'm thinking, well, where am I? And it's kind of a wooded area, <laughs> and it just—those are two story. Like, and I'm just there, two weeks, three weeks, and I'm thinking, oh my god. The crazy thing is, you kind of get used to it over time, <laughs> oh, yeah, right? 100%. Because- because, yeah. I mean, it doesn't take that long yeah. and you just
1: all of a sudden it kind of clicks. Like, oh, yeah.
0: this is normal. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like. Yeah. We, uh, I think my fifth or sixth year uh, was Straubing. Um, they, for a day trip, yeah, we went to some healing. Yeah. Healing. And it was, there was five, 600 people and walking around and this and that and everyone's naked. By, actually you know, By the, then it's like, yeah. You
1: go to that and you come back here. And then you get in, like, a sauna. Uh, Finland, the the, the first thing they always say they build is a sauna in the house, right? And the first time I went to the GM's house, and everybody gets naked, and you're the awkward guy, like, I guess I'm, you know, right? And you you feel so awkward, right? Then you get accustomed to it. Then you come back here, and now there's a sauna, and you were the only guy sitting in a naked. You're like, (laughs) well... I guess I should leave my shorts on, right? Like the, it's such a strange culture shock to go over yeah. there, experience that. It's so normal, yeah. what they do there, and then you come back over here, and it's it's well, we totally. don't do that. We don't, yeah, right? Like that's
0: completely opposite. So did you ever? Because I played with a couple Finnish guys, and and got to know them, their their spouses, and you have people over, and they said, yeah, like typically, if you if we were at our place in Finland. We would have supper, a couple of drinks, and the and four. Everybody the, the four. Of tub, us, well, or, uh, not the everybody. Tub. The four of us would, would, yeah. And I'm like, okay. I mean, that's, I don't. You know, when you, you're around people, you don't. I mean, the teammates are one thing, but when you're around people, you don't know. It's like, sure, but, I don't know. It'd be a little. I thought it was a little weird with like my buddy's wife. I don't. know. <laughs> but um, I, it's just again, it's part of what they do. It's it, part of what they do. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I don't know how to, I don't know how to say like over here, it's so sexualized, right? Like, yeah. And over there, it's just not. And I don't know how, I don't know how better to say it than that. Right. Like it's, uh, absolutely. Yes. That. And the first time you're like, what is going on? Like, this is right. Like, how am I going to react? How am I going to react? Like, this <laughs> is weird. And then you get over there and you know, after probably the third time, you're like, it, it's just so not, it, it's just yeah. a, a socializing thing. Like yeah. sitting around and having a beer is a socializing thing. That's what they yeah. do.
0: Don't they have them at the, the like the nightclubs in Finland too? Ooh, or, I,
1: I can't see yeah. the nightclubs, but uh, like the hotels all had them. Yeah. I lived, I got, yeah. I lived in a hotel Yeah. Uh, at the second place I went to. I lived in a hotel. And I met so many random people <laughs> sitting, I go do it every yeah, night yeah, yeah. and sit, oh, yeah, make it up awesome. with random yeah. people and strike yeah. up conversations yeah. and yeah. Right here. That is no, not the no, case, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it is,
0: it is very different over there. Yeah. yeah it was, it was, we lived there for seven years. Well, we came back, the kids and, and Sarah came back for five to six months a year. I was usually there about nine months. Yeah. But really, like after we loved it, like we uh, we really enjoyed it. After seven years, it become are we going to stay or are we going to go back to Canada? And the only reason we came back is because I wanted to I've always been interested in business like that really something about it that really I like. And I knew I wanted to do something outside of hockey. And I knew in Germany, first of all, my language wasn't good enough. And my schooling, like, they're, they're, they're really big on, like, to get your fishing license, like, you got to take a, a course. I don't, Finland's probably the same. They're really stringent to golf. To get a golf membership, like you have to take golf etiquette, you have to take lessons. They just don't give you
1: a pass. And yeah. all you so,
0: it wasn't realistic for us to stay in Germany, like and, and to carry on with life after. So that was a big reason we we ended up coming home.
1: You talk about uh, life after hockey. How was the adjustment? It was
0: it was it was different uh, after after being kind of since I was seventeen of having rules like curfews and and physically like I you know. I I did have, we had lots of fun in my younger days, but as we got more serious, I was very serious because you had to be for, to, to stick around, to, to play on good teams. You had to be serious about preparation, what you ate, how good a shape you're in. So, you know, even though I'd come home in the summer, like you still had to be careful. You could have a good night every now and then, but you weren't tearing it up all the time. So to come home after, at 35, and it's like, well, I don't need to get ready for for hockey anymore. The kind of the, there's no, it's just like being a teenager almost again. <laughs> so that we probably, yeah, you get a little too, too carried away there. Uh, but I always had a, a plan in, in place. My biggest thing is just keep, keep you got to get into something like do something so I went back to school for two years did you yeah I did business I did a year in North Balfour and then I did a year in Lloyd yeah. so what what happened and this is kind of all uh, how I told you I work for Federated but I'll tell you how it kind of all happened uh, when I was in Strubing, um I so I started off in the third year or third league in Germany. I didn't even know it was the third league. It it didn't really matter. I you know I wanted just to get over here, and I made my way up to the first league, which was it's not an easy thing to do. No, definitely like, not. And, and uh, it, it was probably it's probably one of my I guess personal hockey accomplishments. Ac- and a lot of people, unless you, they don't really understand, unless you've you've been there. Like there's a ton of good players, like NHL guys. They can't play in Europe and vice versa. There's lots of
1: talented Europeans that can't adjust it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's, it's kind of shocking, but you really have to be there to believe it. Um, but I had a terrible injury in strobing, probably the worst one I ever had. I had a third degree concussion because by then they had, uh, broke a rib, pulled muscle in my back and you can see my shoulders still. What the heck did you do? I went into the boards bad. It was the first shift and the guy, the guy kind of hit me. I was in a bad position, and the ice was just like this table, and we're going full speed. So I went down on my back, and he went was on top of me, and we slid in, and I went in back and head first. So I woke up in the MRI, MRI machine. Like, it was bad. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a terrible... Um, so i was out uh, that was in january it was close to the end of the year anyway yeah and so i was out uh, i signed a two year contract after that with in the second league um but i, I had a lot of problems like my shoulder yeah. shoulder my neck and my back i i was never really the same you, you want to play a certain type of way and you just and can't. your body can't yeah i in fact for me to I would play for the weekend and then I'd be at the, well, they call the masseuse. It's not, they basically just push out mu- knots in your muscle. It's not like a.
1: No, it's not a it, friendly, no, nice, no. ooh, pleasant. Ooh, no, that it felt was, good. It was awful. Yeah.
0: For two years, the first year we went up by winning the championship. So it's a little bit, you know, it's not so bad. And then I thought, well, it's only a year. And in the second year, I, I, I knew pretty early that I was, was done. Um, so to take us back a bit, I, I always bought extra disability insurance. And for whatever reason, my agent got me on it. And the guy would come every year, collect his premium. I hated the guy, right? And uh, in fact, he's the first guy I called when I had this serious injury. And so it really put me, what it did is it, it gave me the time to come back to Canada to get a new career, um, to put me through schooling, to find something new. So that's kind of how I, it, when I come back to business school, um, there was a position that opened up for this area and it was insurance, but it specializes in construction and automotive industry. And I grew up. I don't think we talked about it, but I grew up in construction with my dad, being a home home salesman. I grew up around trades guys, so I, I'm definitely I'm not a general contractor expert, but I I I know the ins and outs of a job site. I kind of know what the the thoughts of a, a builder are. So it's really fit in well with me. Uh, I've done a few projects in. Few houses on my own. Yeah. When when I was back in the South Carolina days, when I'd come home for six months during during the off season, so it uh, it all kind of worked out really well. I got uh, I got started with Federated uh, nine years ago, and yeah, it's just been been going on ever since, and that's that's kind of how I ended up in. Well, that's exactly that's how, how you I ended up in Lloyd. Lloyd. Yeah.
1: Have you had any since you've had your your bad concussions? Do you have any issues with that, or is it is it better now?
0: Uh, well, it's better. It you, you know the memory the memory stuff. Who knows? You know, you just get older. One thing I the irritable irritable with noises when you don't expect them. Really? Oh yeah. So let's say well, I always blame the wife, of course. <laughs> she's let's say she'll love to hear she's, that she's in the kitchen if she's, she's if she's made it this far in this
1: right she probably turn it off five minutes in yeah
0: if you're in the kitchen or she's in the kitchen or or anything you know something drops and i'm not expecting it that's definitely uh, like it's uh, something that i don't know is different and and who knows you know the problem is with the concussion thing is is you know there's no one to tell you exactly you break your arm or they can show you on an x-ray oh, you broke your arm and a lot of it is is you know is it real or is it in my head or this or that um but but i i don't know i think it's affected a bit but not not terribly i don't think
1: yeah that's you're the first guy i've ever talked to that had a concussion and ended up i'm i'm guaranteeing there's a, a ton of you right yeah. but usually you don't get a concussion that bad yeah that's was, pretty yeah. extreme
0: yeah i know and, and they told sarah because uh, of course well she, she had just she didn't see it she wasn't at the rink but as soon as she got there she said i knew something was wrong how the other wives said yeah yeah so she come to the hospital and they said well, we're not really worried about, you know, his shoulder and his back, but we're more worried about...
1: The old cock.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the brain. And that was still, that was in 08, so it was... Did you play a year or two after that? Yeah, two years, yeah, in Biddingheim. In Biddingheim. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the funny thing is, in Biddingheim, they had always paid the most... They wanted to move up forever and ever and ever. They always had big payrolls. They get us there. We move up, but they have the financial crash in 08. And who's our biggest sponsor is Porsche. No, shoot. And Porsche just laid off thousands of of workers. Uh Yeah. And... We've, we win the year we're expecting to move up to the DL and Porsche is like we we can't anti, we can't do it we can't any up another whatever who knows a million bucks or whatever it caught because you got to have yeah yeah uh, not after we just laid off a hundred thousand employees
1: that's cool you got to experience the moving up because well, I, I talk I talk yeah. about that all the time yeah. right like it's very yeah. it works for
0: European leagues yeah they love like. it yeah. yeah I've also moved well so as you're also aware, you can sign at any time during the year with anyone. So you can sign if I'm playing you in playoffs, and I'm free. Like I don't have a con. I can sign with you and carry on. Yeah, isn't that fucked up? <laughs> My so the year I signed <laughs> to move up in the W A or in the with in the first league, I had signed at Christmas time. And the team I was playing with in the second league, we ended up by getting relegated. Yeah. So you actually played on a team that got relegated and a team that moved back up. Yeah, two team. Well, that team I moved up with, and then got relegated. With they got relegated, <laughs> I didn't. I went up to the first league because, and, and it, you know, it's a funny thing, but. Jeez, getting relegated—it's a different it, playing in that play. Well, it's called a play down. A playdown—that's yeah. right. Yeah, it. Like, you want to win a, uh, just as much as because it what ends up by happening is the the GM will come in if they care they'll they'll offer you a bonus to to win that playdown because they don't want to go down because it's not that easy to move up. Like even if you pay guys, like it just doesn't mean you're going to win. So. Yeah, it was uh, the only. Uh, so, like, I knew I wasn't coming back. So, I guess.
1: But I, uh, like, I still,
0: you know, I got to know the fans, the players. You know, you want to win. You're competitive, too. It's like, frick. It's embarrassing, right? Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, uh, yeah, play up, play down. And then we won the other year, but we didn't go anywhere. So, it was kind of a bummer, but it was okay.
1: Well,. I'll bring us to the final portion of this, the uh, Crude Master Final Five. It's the last uh, segment we do here where we ask you five questions. You've probably heard it yeah. once or twice before. Huge shout-out to Heath and Tracy McDonald. Um, your first one is, if you could pick your line mates, who would you take?
0: So, line mates that I played with? or No, no, anyone. Anyway, I, oh, well, I well, don't Bob, matter. Uh, 100% Bobby Probert, without a doubt. <laughs> like... <laughs> Without a, without a doubt. Um, who else? Well, it's going to have to be Eiserman. I mean, that's, yeah. So Eiserman, Prober, yeah, yeah. Schmidt. Yeah. That'd be fun. In the 80s. In the 80s. Or 90s. Uh, 90s was still, yeah. Bobby was still Bobby in the 90s. Early 90s. If you could
1: sit down and have beer with one person. Who'd you want it to be?
0: Hmm. A little bit of a time delay.
1: Um, that's all right. We got nothing but time.
0: Jeez, I should have. Like I've listened to these. I don't know why I didn't. <laughs> you gotta tell your guys to be ready. Um, if I could. Don't have a beer.
1: I got a list of, I got a giant list slowly growing. I was sitting talking to myself. I drive out to Edam all the time. Actually, oh, uh, yeah. North and North battlefield Yeah, all got a place plants. in
0: Miota. Do you? Yeah, cabin. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah.
1: Well, I work just south, west, and east of Miota. Yeah. There's two plants up
0: there. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, there's, there's a whole well, whack yeah. of plants. Up yeah. There. So the I only place you can do any oil work these days. That's right.
1: <laughs> and so I constantly build the list of guys i'd love to have on here i'd love to sit and have and at the top of my beer list sit down which stevie y is definitely up there yeah um but the reason i got into this podcast stuff is joe rogan i'd love to sit and have a beer with joe rogan or whatever he wanted to sit down and i'd I'd be like yeah let's 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 go at it because he's a an interesting man but
0: i mean you would have to be a bit like actually you know who i i really did and you might not know uh was uh Duff McKagan He's Duff a, McKagan yeah for uh Guns N' Roses okay yeah but it'd be uh, I'd have a beer with Axel Rose I'm a huge GNR fan like uh, so on this comeback tour when when it's the original basically the original to me is Slash yep. Duff McKagan Axel. I've seen them uh two times I went to the one in Seattle uh, with two buddies when they just, I think it was their third show back, it was like, you know, between you know getting married, having kids, that, those are like that's a big, big uh, event. And then this past year, my one buddy I talked about earlier, Derek Reynolds, uh, he ended up by through hockey, he married a girl in Nebraska, and they live in Lincoln. Well. Funny thing, GNR played a show there, like in Lincoln, Nebraska, of all places, uh, this past November. So me, layman, the Aaron Friedman, the guy who calls me Schultze there was eight of us that went up to that. No kidding. And uh, the day after the show in the airport, we're all flying out, and I see this skinny blonde-haired guy, and I can tell he's, and it's Duff McKagan, and it, he's a like rock like original. And I walked up to him. I said, "Hey, my name is Greg Schmidt." Blah blah blah. And he's like, "Yeah, sit down." Awesome guy, unreal. I was so I was hung over too, so I was a little bit nervous. So I'm a little bit shaken, and and I said to him, "You know, I'm I'm nervous." Like, and he he said, "Ah, that's fine." And uh, I sat and talked to him for. For 15 minutes, we ended up by, you know, I brought up the hockey and he talked about Seattle coming in because that's his hometown, Seattle. He talked about the new NHL team and he, uh, in fact, he touched on the when the Guns and Roses kind of broke up and in their heyday in the 90s and yeah, it was it was awesome guy like a pro, you know, yeah. and and that's what you know if you if you catch them in the right time and you're not, you, you know, you have to ask for somebody's time too. You can't just, uh, demand it. Yeah. You can't take it for granted. Cause you know, he yeah. might, somebody might be going through something. So that's kind of what I've learned with meeting people is, yeah. Do, do you mind if I, I sit down and yeah, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, it was great. I wish I would've got a picture, but I was like, ah, do you ask for a picture? Or I don't, you know, I didn't really want to, you gotta ask for it, yeah, don't I you? Know. Like, you know, I had I had Paul Bissonnette on
1: here, right? Yeah, I, yeah. And when he sat down, the fir- it wasn't the first thing, but the entire time, my brain is going obviously yeah, right yeah. here, right? Yeah. I'm like, but you want to talk about nerves? My bloody heart did about yeah. six flips because I'm going, it's Paul Bissonnette, like, Jesus! And uh, I at least had I was at least conscious enough to go. You know what? Even if you don't come on the podcast, nobody's going to believe me if you're sitting yeah. in front of me. I'm getting a picture with you. He's like, oh, yeah.
0: Them guys get it all the time. You know, and, and I hate to jump, but my father-in-law was one of the best business. And I and I love business. I love meeting business people. I love their stories. Their, their stories, stories. They're so yeah. unique. And it was nothing what I what I thought about business people. Um, but playing hockey... One of the, my father-in-law, he was always a good business person, but I've, I've boiled it down in traveling with him is his ability to meet new people. And when I talk about meet them, like it's, it's, he was able to, to get a connection with people right away and, and open it, them and get them to open up. Yeah. And I think that's, that's such a, a skill, whether, whether, and it's not easy. It, you, you have to work it. Like you you know, it's lots of times people think, "Well, that's a God-given talent." Or, "Well, no, you have to work, and, and you got to go out of your comfort zone, right?" All the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I know it's uh, it it was cool. I'm a I'm a GNR like groupie kind well, of. Yeah, oh, GNR's good band. I can't I can't argue that. Yeah, they're real. I mean, in fact, they're coming. They're doing another leg around this well not the, but
1: so you're following them uh, every uh i would i would go
0: <laughs> my wife would my wife wouldn't <laughs> she likes them too but i'm like well, i'm going with the guys like you know it's just <laughs> right you gotta go it's a different different game when you're going with guys and you just be dumb right and anyway
1: <laughs> if you could be drafted if you could have been drafted by one organization. I assume I already know who this is, but if you could have been, who would it have
0: been? Uh, Detroit or Philly. I like Philly too. Yeah, Philly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, you know, I mean, it pains me to see what what it it is now. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, the Rick Talkett guys, uh, like though, I mean, how do you not, I don't know, those, those those two would have been actually I did talk to well a scout talked to me from Philly that was about it in PA I remember that's I claimed it. that's as close <laughs> as I got to Philly <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll get off topic but so we're in Charleston South Carolina we're at a barbershop three other guys and they find oh you're hockey players and and they, and the guy's like, it's an Italian guy. He's like, oh, I'm from Philadelphia. And, you know, I moved down to South Carolina years ago. Oh, I know hockey. I know hockey. And he had a pitcher and he goes, that's my buddy uh, from Philly. Yeah, I cut his hair all the time. And he says, uh, Rick Toshe. <laughs> 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 like, yeah, that's your buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's your buddy. All right. <laughs> anyway, that's.
1: Who's the best player you ever played against and with? Oh, Martin St. Louis.
0: Against. And that was when you were with Quebec? Yeah. He would have been Cleveland. Yeah. He was in Cleveland, Lumberjacks. I think he went from there to Calgary.
1: You know, that'd uh, be an interesting guy to sit across well, from.
0: I tell you, because, you know, we, at that time, there's no internet. There's no... Yep. It's just what you see is what you get. And I'm thinking, like, I was playing... I had a really good start, and we're the same roughly age and kind of size. Well, yeah, size. And the, they're talking about this small guy. And I'm thinking, yeah, oh, you know, we'll see. Yeah. And I can, he's like playing against a cat. Like, you know, just super quick turn. Like, just like he was explosive, quick, agile. And I remember after watching him, I was thinking, oh, man. And he, I mean, that time nobody you know and even when he broke in the nhl took a while but uh yeah 100 percent without without uh without a you know i played against ryan smith uh red and those guys and they were they were good in their own ways uh, i i played against them in junior and pro is yeah. a little different a little different different you know bigger guys and it's more realistic of what crazy you know. though to be in
1: quebec yeah Play Martin St. Louis playing for Cleveland. Yeah. And then watch him go on to have the career he had.
0: Yeah, There was, uh, at that time, there was still, I mean, there was more older guys, but the IHL still had a lot of uh, younger, I would say half the team were NH, or half the league was NHL affiliates and half were independent. Like we were, we were independent, but it had uh, a lot of Tampa Bay, like uh, Tampa Bay guys. Yeah. So. Uh, he would he would be the best I well, I think the best I played against uh, the most notable I played with Todd Gill in in Germany. Big Todd Gill? He's not big. No, you're thinking of Hal Gill. I'm thinking Hal Gill. Todd Who's Gill. Todd Gill? Todd Gill played like twenty some seasons for the Maple Leafs. Like I grew up watching. Yeah, Todd Gill. Google Todd, Todd, Gill, Todd, Gill. Todd Gill. D-man number twenty three. Like in the Gilmore days, the yeah. Buff. oh yeah, I thought he was like the biggest, toughest, scrappiest guy ever. And my first year in Germany at Christmas time, like I'm struggling to stay there. And then they announced we've signed uh, over Christmas holidays. We've signed two Canadians, and they said Todd Gill. The other guy I didn't recognize. And I'm thinking, well, no, there's no way that Todd Gill's coming here, and I think he was 41 or 42. He had been retired for a year, and sure enough, we go to Berlin. He flies in, we pick him up, and guess who's his best friend? Because he's got no options. Because everyone out, there, they're all German, he, <laughs> and so he's like Smitty, like, what, what do I do? And I'm like Todd Gill, like, needs me. Like, <laughs> you know, like you know how it is. You go over yeah, there, and yeah, you it's got, like it, you got one choice. Yeah, got, yeah. And I'm like <laughs> you're hanging with me, and I'm like, and the guy's just the salt of the earth. Um,
1: Todd Gill, a thousand and seven NHL games, eighty two goals, two seventy two assists, three fifty four, and then twelve hundred penalty minutes. Yeah, and he played for the Leafs. For Leafs fans, he played for the Leafs, on and off from 1984 until 1996 and then he played for san jose st louis detroit phoenix detroit detroit colorado
0: chicago yeah i grew up grew up watching hockey night in canada and especially against the wings um i probably didn't like him then um like did he win a cup then i don't think he did no, the because he took the quick the closest was in '93 against. Remember Gretzky, the high stick. Yeah, the high yeah. stick. I think he was on the ice. Remember when McSorley and and uh, yeah. Clark? Yeah. Or, or yeah, when yeah, McSorley hit Gilmore.
1: No kidding. Yeah. I yeah, I was definitely thinking Halgill. Yeah.
0: No. The big giant. Yeah. No. No. It, so he comes to Germany. The Nicest guy ever. Of course, I'm so intimidated of him and we become best friends like the, the wife his wife comes they have six kids they all come and we hang out with them our kids play hockey together uh, and at one point he said they, he said to me he, and I don't know, he he actually introduced us to red wine too by the way at that time we never drank red wine and he said schmitty well he said to my wife he goes you're going to learn how to drink red wine. Put it in your mouth and swish it around so it's like mouthwash. You coat your whole mouth and then it doesn't taste, It I don't know, it doesn't taste any different. So that's what got my wife started on red wine. And she <laughs> still drinks red wine to this day. <laughs> she became a professional. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the nicest, and he, he, wouldn't bullshit, he said, he goes, like, you're like a, a Gilmore. Like he said, he goes, I played with, and he goes, you know what? There's a big difference between getting an opportunity, getting a chance, and, and the right, and the right time. And he goes, "I'm gonna." I goes, "I'm gonna tell uh, Pat, uh, who's it? Pat Quinn, because he's buddy with Pat." He goes, "He, you should be." That's, I mean, who knows? That could could have been after a couple of red wines. Yeah, that's right. He was old school, though. We would, uh, uh, we would after a game, a uh, away game, he would. Six, ten beers on that bus like in the big beers he'd be like no we're having these he would not let. he was a beers guy great great guy it was such a it, it you know i think it was kind of meant to be i don't know it was just weird like todd gill Kim, to vice foster they'd never had a canadian that ever played the whole year i was the one that was there the first one for a full year and he comes at Christmas time. And just once he got there, then it totally changed the whole, like it was just a total different atmosphere. It was uh, it, it was just like, I don't know, playing with somebody every day. That It was just like you, you go and you hear stories and then you're in the trenches with, and he's he, someone you look up to and he's like, oh my God, you know, I, I need your help. Or, you know, you jump in and you... Uh, do something for the guy during a game, and it's just like surreal. It was it was lots of fun. Todd Gill, I think he's coaching in, the, or he has a franchise in the OHL. Yeah, he's he. Uh, it, it was funny. He I think at the time he had bought a Ford dealership when he first retired, and then he said, you know, I, I'm having lots of trouble, and that's why he, he can't be Europe. And he said, I just want to have the kids here and then get it out of my system and I, th- I think when he went back he got into coaching i think my, my wife follows on facebook and yeah i i don't i'm not even on facebook so
1: <laughs> final one what was the biggest maybe most memorable life-changing moment you had you can't say marriage you can't say kids what was when you look back at where your career went is there one thing that sticks out that goes man? if that hadn't happened or somebody hadn't said something i know when we talked about your mom i mean that's obviously a big one but is there is there something else that sticks uh, out in there where it just kind of shaped where you went
0: or how you played or well there's i mean it's Really, and I knew this was coming, but there, there is no way, and it, it was a shock for you. You know, there is no way I could have played without my wife or my kids. Like, like at the age they were, that the road we took, like, without their full support, my wife, especially my wife. Like, can yeah. you imagine? Like, no, like she could have. Like I remember, and this is by Germany. You know, she had. Uh, well, at that time, Daxon would have been six or seven. Chase was just a new, a new. Well, he was he was about a year old, and she flew over to Germany. Like whatever, twelve hour flight with fifteen bags and two kids. Uh like and and to go into a culture where, you know, I'm I'm around twenty guys. You know, she came into a city where it was, it was.
1: She could probably have her own podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just talk about all the places you dragged her. Yeah. And how she had to survive that. You know, and it
0: was really like uh, at any point she could have said, this is. This is done. This, this is done. And and really at the end, I was the one that said like, you know, I'm, I've had, uh, I can't do it anymore. Um, but w- without a question right from the beginning there, w- without without her, I mean, she, she well she, she was there all the time. she our house was uh, always taken care of. She took care of the kids and and you know, even the kids like that was a, they went through a lot. and it and you know when you're in it, sometimes you don't really, uh think of of what they you know you know I'm not at school with the kids I don't know what happens and um but yeah it would have been it would have been it would have been tough but at the same time uh it's it's a quite a different experience and hopefully when they get older they'll and and I think they do already appreciate uh a different different culture different life and and just know there's more to the world than Lloydminster well Alberta Canada yeah, or just appreciate other because you know mm-hmm. you appreciate certain parts and and you sh- you know there's nothing wrong with with uh exploring a bit and and I've kind of it's almost kind of a curse too though <laughs> you, you're like oh geez you know what do I do next or, you know, you know, I
1: remember being right in that mindset when I first came home. Yeah. It was, it took a, I don't know about you, but for me, when I first planted roots, I put that in air quotes, it was, it was tough. It was probably a year in and I was like, okay, well, I just, you know, I went to Ontario, Wisconsin, Finland, and then you come back. I was in New York for a little bit. Right. I lived in Minneapolis for a summer or part of a summer, right? Like you just explore the world and you get accustomed to kind of life on the road and knowing that, yeah, I'm going to be here for a little bit, but I'm going to, right. Mm. I'm going to keep, and I'm going to bounce. And then all of a sudden for me and my, you know, for my wife and I, we, uh, we needed that. We needed somebody to set some words because if we didn't, we were just, we were constantly bouncing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden it becomes comfortable, which yeah. is which is interesting too. But in the beginning it was not. It was it was an itchy feeling. Like I'm I'm ready to. I don't know where I'm ready to go to, but I'm ready to go somewhere. Yeah. Like I can handle tomorrow. We just pack up and we go to Honolulu for a week or a year, and then you head on over to the next spot. You head on over to the next spot. I I'm very impressed you could do it with kids because I having now three of my own. Kids is the reason that you don't, like, love my family, love my friends. Yeah. But truthfully, yeah. kids yeah. are what it is like. Man, I take three kids and I move across the world or I move anywhere. Yeah. Now you got to worry about them
0: and that's. Yeah, I think it was just, you know, with the, the, the schedule of the hockey, you know, because we did, we always had a house in North Balfour. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of, well, how I got into the the. the property uh was in south carolina like i remember because it was the the property boom there like in the two thousand, in the early 2000s late ninety, in the late 90s um where that house is worth that and i was like oh my and then with my dad being involved and and i'd come back in the summertime i thought like basically they're giving the land away for free in battleford i have a family well why don't i just build a build something you know yeah so i did it it basically cost me very little like well the land was free basically because they had nothing to build and then yeah then a then a little boom hit and i was like well that's easy enough so then i did another one did another one um so now it's something that i enjoy well it's a little different i don't do it anymore just because i have a full-time job now so it's kind of but it was the same with the, the property owned in Miota, like it's a cabin and, but still it's, we enjoy doing upgrades and stuff out there, so.
1: All right, cool. Well, I have to say, I'm glad I finally got you on, Uh, you know, it took, <laughs> people are starting to hear this more and more, Daryl Blandowski last yeah. week was the same way, it, it, it takes time some, sometimes with, yeah. with guests to get them on, I'm glad uh, you made the decision to hop on, it was a lot of fun, I hope you enjoyed yourself, I no, I enjoyed myself. We're closing in on three hours. If oh, I can't geez. believe that, right? <laughs> My bedtime. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I really appreciate you stopping in and uh, and sharing your your story with us and uh, having a couple of laughs. It's been really enjoyable.
0: Awesome. No, it's uh, it's great what you're doing, and yeah, I, uh, I'm a fan. And uh, thanks for having me.
1: You bet.